Yeah, uh, lots of talk of Ron because I think that is sort of the big, the, the, that's sort of the headliner, right? Again, I'm realizing more and more how these double, this sort of double chapter arrangement has served us really, really well because it allows us to cover entire arcs. I'm noticing more and more that JK tended to write these in uh, what seemed to be kind of pairings where there was sort of an upward chapter and then a, a sort of climax chapter. Um, and then we moved on to a new sequence. Uh, last time. Chapters, let's see, uh, 14 and 15. The Thief and the Goblin's Revenge. In The Thief, Harry is... Harry's having a tough time. I mean, they all are, all three of them. They are out in the wilderness. They're on their own. They're having to travel between different spots. Um, Hogwarts, if he says, more Hogwarts... Excuse me, more Hagrid coming soon, by the way, after proofing. That sounds fantastic. And Carl, I don't think I've seen you chatting much either uh, before, so welcome. It's good to have you here. Uh, I always love when, when people who have been listening for a bit just decide, you know what, it's time to jump in. Uh, it's also possible that, you know what, we're getting busy enough now that it's possible you have jumped in before and I've just missed it in the past. So uh, if I have, I apologize. Mini hate. <laughs> um, in the Thief. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to deviate away from chat. Otherwise, I'm not gonna be able to do my my uh, review in in a proper time frame. Harry, Ron, and Hermione—they're on their own. They are traveling around in the wilderness. They have got their tent, which is bigger on the inside than the outside. It's the same tent that they used at the Quidditch World Cup. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, that is the first place where they stop after escaping the Ministry of Magic. Hermione is protecting the camp, and they have to decide where to go next. They continue to travel for a bit, and they still have to decide where to go next. How are they going to get food? And hours turn into days, and days are turning into weeks at this point. Um, they are examining this Horcrux that they have finally got. It's the real one, not a fake one. Put it there by Regulus Arcturus Black. The real Horcrux. They don't yet know how to destroy this thing, but they know they have to. They also know they have to keep it close, unfortunately. It's got a bit of a will of its own. And as such, it's possible that it could try to not sneak off. Hold on. I'm gonna sneeze. Oh, I just barely bailed in time. Daddy Trucker, hello and welcome. Um, uh, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I got a few drivers. We've got a few drivers in the uh, scooter patrol. Um, but uh, <laughs> Hogwarts Hippie, book and hook. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, uh, and Daddy Trucker as well. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty annoying to hear that kind of stuff, so I try to mute it when I can. Uh, Holly Rose says, Listening to chapter 12 slash 13, I started to wonder how the house elves got the food for their families. Like, are house elves tracked at all? This creature was bringing food back to Grimald Place for the trio, and I'm wondering if that would seem suspicious to anyone. Yeah, there's also the, there's also the, the whole thing that's been mentioned a number of times, that elf magic is different from human magic and so i wonder if they've got the ability to do some conjuring or something that well there's an argument about it here in these chapters uh ron seems to be reacting the most poorly to having to hold the horcrux because somebody has to have it uh around their neck at all times um nagels i or bagels excuse me i'm in uh southern california that's where i'm at uh the 
The Horcrux is having a negative effect on everyone, and it means something a little different for everyone. Harry is kind of used to being without food, but he gets pretty testy, basically. Uh, Hermione will go quiet for a long period of time. That's actually how Sam gets as well. That's how I get uh, when I am doing... Um, uh, it, when I'm in a bad mood or when I'm really low on energy, that, that's how I tend to be as well. Um, and Ron seems to have the toughest time. It really seems to affect how how strongly he's feeling this lack of food that they're experiencing because he is used to having a lot of food around. His mom does a lot of cooking, but um, now there is a lot of tension in the air because Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to trade off wearing this thing that just has this terrible negative effect on them. Um, meanwhile, Harry has another vision. Uh, something about a young man with golden hair. It seems that, A, Hermione still doesn't... Either, so, Harry and Hermione disagree. I'm not going to say which one of them doesn't understand, because Harry's taking a big risk, um, but Hermione uh, doesn't sort of see the value in it. Um, which of them is wrong? I don't think, frankly, we can know until we see how it pans out, you know what I mean? Uh, and even then, you're only right in hindsight. Only right in hindsight sounds like a great, maybe not a band name, but maybe a good album name. We keep going here. Um, Grigorovich is apparently dead, and now... Whatever it is, whatever thing it is that Voldemort is looking for as Harry sees him in his visions, this merry-faced thief with the golden hair, that's who's in danger now because Voldemort, and I almost said Frankenstein, I might have even said Frankenstein earlier, but Voldemort is on his way. Chapter six, uh, excuse me, chapter 15, The Goblin's Revenge. It's more and more tense. They don't know where to go next, and Harry's feeling the pressure of having that sort of de facto leadership position, and yet not really knowing much more than Ron and Hermione do. He gets this sense that they were hoping that, you know, he had some secret plan that he wasn't even supposed to tell them, but that Dumbledore might have worked with Harry on, something a little bit more sure or certain or at least sensible than just wandering around and hoping. Did I change Umbridge's voice? Um, I, I definitely made a change between how the book describes it and how I did it, because in my read-through here at home, I went with, um, y'all, y'all, many of y'all may have known this, but, uh, uh, see, I've got this thing when I'm, honestly, it's not even just when I'm streaming, but I will know the name I'm looking for, and then the moment I try to say it, it actually sort of just disappears, it disapparates. Um, it's Edna Modes. Thank you, Memnite. Uh, Edna Modes from The Incredibles. Uh, ham, ham. But it's supposed to be really, uh, like, her voice is supposed to be really uh, high and girly. Um, but, I don't know, just the description of her looking like a toad kind of seemed like, you know what, I want to give this one a shot. Plus, Hermione gets described as being shrill often enough. Like, I think that's one of the most frequent descriptors of how her voice gets. I think having just another higher female voice, especially with my sort of... I'm more flexible on the male end of things, uh, or on the deeper end of things. Um... I should say the masculine end of things. Uh, I didn't want them to sound too similar or get lost. Back to the review, though. Um, <laughs> the Goblin's Revenge. They encounter some folks that uh, they weren't anticipating. Um, they are hiding along riverbanks as they are trying to decide where to go next. 
there's tension between Harry, Ron, and Hermione, um, and suddenly they hear voices. Someone is here near the tent, and they get some news from the outside world by accident. These folks don't know that the tent is here. They are just stopping on the riverbank, and they seem to be on the run. It's Ted Tonks. This is Tonks' mother. I said mauve, which was the beginning of the word mother, which Ted Tonks is not. Ted Tonks is her father. Um, and uh, basically, he has to go on the run because he decided, I'm not going to get registered as a muggle-born. I'm just not going to do it. It's on principle. Um, we hear from someone called uh, Dirk Cresswell, um, who we've heard the name before a couple of times, but never met the person, escaped from the transport to Azkaban. And is now on the run with a pair of goblins named uh, uh, Gornook and Griphook. They are on the run, and if uh, <laughs> can anybody, uh, does anybody have an idea of who it was that I tried to uh, imitate for my Dirk Cresswell voice? I'm giving you a challenge because it's been a week since. Hi, <laughs> Tuna. Hi, I'm Sam. Welcome, my welcome to my TED Tonks. I wish I hadn't beefed that. <sighs> Come on. Uh, Memnite, thank you very much. Uh, Memnite handing out some some gift subs to everyone. You are... <laughs> y'all are being very generous, and I appreciate it a lot. Um, I think we all do, because as y'all know... I'll, I'll say it once again later, but uh, I'm going to have to run ads now, because... Twitch decided that now ads are going to be run randomly, unless I've run one recently. So, Bah humbug. Shotzi, thanks for all of the thanks for all of the pog champs. Um, but that's most of our that's most of our two chapters. That's most of our review. And now I think it's probably high time. Oh, duh! No, it's not. I mean, it is most of our review. But then there's this scene at the very end. Harry and Hermione, having uh, heard the news that uh, someone tried to steal uh, Gryffindor's sword, and that the sword that Snape has is a fake. They are excited. They've got this idea that maybe they've got a heading. And they are discussing it, uh, you know, fervently, and then they sort of realize, oh, Ron hasn't joined us for this. They have an argument. Ron says, look, maybe y'all are excited by this, but we still don't know where to actually go. And my sister was one of the people who was caught trying to steal the Sword of Gryffindor, which means that she's in trouble. Maybe you don't care about that anymore, but I do. There were even other mentions of my family. This is Ron still talking. Uh, other mentions of my family, possibly more injured members. And Ron decides uh, after this knockdown drag out argument between him and Harry, uh, in which Ron basically says what Harry feared. Uh, Ron says, we thought you had a plan. Even Hermione thought so. Um, and instead, you don't know what you're doing. And Harry says, so why are you still here? Go back home where mummy can feed you. Um, I understand it on both sides. Um, and good, good lord, you've given 34 subs in the channel, Mem Knight. <laughs> so, that is so many subs. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, which is why you've got the gift leader, uh, little icon down there. <laughs> um, but, uh, Ron decides to leave. 
uh, I, I gotta I, I will have to say I am definitely like I don't think Ron is right to leave but seeing as we are to sympathize with Harry for all this Harry's our protagonist I think we identify with him more uh, as somebody from a family um, that operates pretty closely uh, like Ron's does I think I would be feeling much the same way as him like there are some things that are so important that I would I would have to, I don't know, I would have to reconsider my thoughts on even very important things, you know what I mean? Anyway, folks, I think it's time to get into it, isn't it? Everyone, thank you very much. And now, it's time to read. I'm going to keep my AC on because it's hot as hell here. Uh, I apologize if we've got any bacon bits or anybody listening uh, with young ears. I try to keep this pretty family-friendly, but I, I, I goofed on that one. I'll be better next time. Okay. And as usual, folks, if you've got anything you'd like to talk about, I would love to hear it. Go ahead and put it in chat. Chapter 16. Godric's Hollow. When Harry woke the following day, it was several seconds before he remembered what had happened. Then he hoped, childishly, that it had been a dream, that Ron was still there and had never left. Yet by turning his head in his pillow, he could see Ron's deserted bunk. It was like a dead body in the way that it seemed to draw his eyes. Harry jumped down from his own bed, keeping his eyes averted from Ron's. Hermione, who was already busy in the kitchen, did not wish Harry a good morning, but turned her face quickly away as he went by. He's gone, Harry told himself. He's gone. He had to keep thinking it as he washed and dressed, as though by repetition it would dull the shock of it. He's gone and he's not coming back. And that was the simple truth of it, Harry knew, because their protective enchantments meant that it would be impossible, once they vacated this spot, for Ron to find them again. He and Hermione ate breakfast in silence. Hermione's eyes were puffy and red. She looked as though she had not slept. They packed up their things, Hermione dawdling. Harry knew why she wanted to spin out their time on the riverbank. Several times he saw her look up eagerly, and he was sure she had deluded herself into thinking that she heard footsteps through the heavy rain. But no red-haired figure appeared between the trees. Every time Harry imitated her, looked around, for he could not help hoping a little himself, and saw nothing but rain-swept woods, another little parcel of fury exploded inside him. He could hear Ron saying, We thought you knew what you were doing! and he resumed packing with a hard knot in the pit of his stomach. <laughs> okay, so really quickly, folks, I tried to, uh, I try to, you know, go for a clean read through, but I want to say thank you very much, Escar, love it. <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. And uh, folks, for all the subscriptions, good Lord. <laughs> Again, if you do this during the middle of the chapter, I, ha I have to wait sometimes so I can keep a clean read through going. I want it to be good for everybody. Um, but I, I really appreciate your, your, uh, generosity nonetheless. A ton. A ton. I appreciate it. So, Escar, love it. Thank you. 
and to everyone subscribing. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Gotta keep going. The muddy river beside them was rapidly rising and would soon spill over onto their bank. They had lingered a good hour after they would usually have departed their campsite. Finally, having entirely repacked the beaded bag three times, Hermione seemed unable to find any more reasons to delay. She and Harry grasped hands and disapparated, reappearing on a windswept, heather-covered hillside. The instant they arrived, Hermione dropped Harry's hand and walked back away from him, finally sitting down on a large rock, her face on her knees, shaking with what he knew were sobs. He watched her, supposing that he ought to go and comfort her, but something kept him rooted to the spot. Everything inside him felt cold and tight. Again, he saw the contemptuous expression on Ron's face. Harry strode off through the heather, walking in a large circle with the distraught Hermione at its center, casting the spells she usually performed to ensure their protection. They did not discuss Ron at all over the next few days. Harry was determined never to mention his name again, and Hermione seemed to know that it was no use forcing the issue, although sometimes, at night, when she thought he was sleeping, he would hear her crying. Meanwhile, Harry had started bringing out the Marauder's Map and examining it by wandlight. He was waiting for the moment when Ron's labeled dot would reappear in the corridors of Hogwarts, proving that he had returned to the comfortable castle, protected by his status of pure blood. However, Ron did not reappear on the map, and after a while, Harry found himself taking it out simply to stare at Ginny's name in the girls' dormitory, wondering whether the intensity with which he gazed at the map might break into her sleep that she would somehow know he was thinking about her, hoping that she was all right. By day, they devoted themselves to trying to determine the possible locations of Gryffindor's sword, but the more they talked about the places in which Dumbledore might have hidden it, the more desperate and far-fetched their speculation became. Cudgel his brains though he might, Harry could not remember Dumbledore ever mentioning a place in which he might hide something. There were moments when he did not know whether he was angrier with Ron or with Dumbledore. <laughs> you guys, I promise I'm going to get to it all after the chapter. I promise. We thought that you knew what you were doing. We thought Dumbledore had told you what to do. We thought that you had a real plan. He could not hide it from himself. Ron had been right. Dumbledore had left him with virtually nothing. They had discovered one Horcrux, but they had no means of destroying it. The others were as unattainable as they had ever been. Hopelessness threatened to engulf him. He was staggered now to think of his own presumption in accepting his friend's offers to accompany him on his meandering, pointless journey. He knew nothing. He had no ideas, and he was constantly painfully on the alert for any indication that Hermione, too, was about to tell him she had had enough, that she was leaving. Yes, Wingus. 
I'll be your god brother. <laughs> they were spending many evenings in near silence, and Hermione took to bringing out Phineas Nigellus's portrait and propping it up in a chair, as though he might fill part of the gaping hole left by Ron's departure. Despite his previous assertion that he would never visit them again, Phineas Nigellus did not seem to resist the chance to find out more about what Harry was up to, and consented to reappear, blindfolded, every few days. Harry was even glad to see him because he was company, albeit of a snide and taunting kind. They relished any news about what was happening at Hogwarts. Even though Phineas Nigellus was not an ideal informer, he venerated Snape, the first Slytherin headmaster since he himself had controlled the school, and they had to be careful not to criticize or ask impertinent questions about Snape, or Phineas Nigellus would instantly leave his painting. However, he did let drop certain snippets. Snape seemed to be facing a constant low level of mutiny from a hard core of students. Ginny had been banned from school into Hogsmeade. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Let's try that again. Ginny had been banned from going into Hogsmeade. Snape had reinstated Umbridge's old decree forbidding gatherings of three or more students or any unofficial student societies. From all these things, Harry deduced that Ginny, and probably Neville and Luna along with her, had been doing their best to continue Dumbledore's army. This scant news made Harry want to see Ginny so badly it felt like a stomachache, but it also made him think of Ron again, and of Dumbledore, and of Hogwarts itself, which he missed nearly as much as his ex-girlfriend. Indeed, as Phineas Nigellus talked about Snape's crackdown, Harry experienced a split second of madness, where he imagined simply going back to school to join the destabilization of Snape's regime. Being fed, Having a soft bed and other people in charge seemed the most wonderful prospect in the world at that moment. But then he remembered that he was undesirable number one. That there was a 10,000 galleon price on his head, and that to walk into Hogwarts these days was just as dangerous as walking into the Ministry of Magic. Indeed, Phineas Nigellus inadvertently emphasized this fact by slipping in leading questions about Harry and Hermione's whereabouts. Hermione shoved him back inside the beaded bag every time he did this, and Phineas Nigellus invariably refused to reappear for several days after these unceremonious goodbyes. <laughs> it's the wonkiest, wonkiest chatterbreak intro ever. Okay, folks. Let's go back to the library. So if you're watching this in the VOD, you can skip to uh, the next time you see chatter, uh, chapter art. But folks, thank you very much. Uh, Ashmore, Memnite, uh, throwing bits down along with Jess Brown. Thank you very much. Holly Rose, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Tuna Sunday, throwing more on the pile. I appreciate it. Um, everyone, thank you very much for all of your generosity. Um, it's one of the things that has allowed me to do so much more with the channel than I have before, um, including, you know, the uh, the October schedule. I'm just going to pop that up on, on the screen here while I talk a little bit. Uh, this is what I've got going. I'm Holly Rose, I'm hydrating, I promise. <laughs> I guess you're probably thinking, I spent lit coins on this. I didn't want it to be gross sounding. Um, 
But thank you for the reminder. And for all of you, uh, you can go ahead and screen cap this. This is what my schedule is going to be like for the next month. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yuck, ASMR, says Hogwarts Hippie. Indeed. Um, but folks, I want to say thank you very much. Uh, I'm actually not going to stick around for the answers, but uh, because I want to get back into it a little quicker than that. But um, my... Uh, <laughs> my my chatter break question here I want to talk pros and cons of heading back to Hogwarts and helping out with this uh, destabilization effort against Snape I want to hear what y'all what y'all are thinking about this and what y'all are thinking about sort of the resistance effort overall um, what are your sort of uh, I don't know what are your, what ideas would you contribute toward the resistance effort so go ahead and put those in chat um, honestly I'm probably gonna to want to talk about that again later after the uh, uh, after the read-through but <laughs> Uh, let's get back into the chapter, shall we? Sorry, I gotta refine the, uh... Here we go. The weather grew colder and colder. They did not dare remain in any one area too long, so rather than staying in the south of England, where a hard ground frost was the worst of their worries, they continued to meander up and down the country, braving a mountainside where sleet pounded the tent, a wide, flat marsh where the tent was flooded with chill water, and a tiny island in the middle of a Scottish loch, where snow half buried the tent in the night. They had already spotted Christmas trees twinkling from several sitting-room windows before there came an evening when Harry resolved to suggest, again, what seemed to him the only unexplored avenue left to them. They had just eaten an unusually good meal. Hermione had been to a supermarket under the invisibility cloak, scrupulously dropping the money into an open till as she left, and Harry thought she might be more persuadable than usual on a stomach full of spaghetti bolognese and tinned pears. He had also had the foresight to suggest they take a few hours' break from wearing the horcrux, which was hanging over the end of the bunk beside him. Hermione? Hmm. She was curled up in one of the sagging armchairs with the tales of Beetle the Bard. He could not imagine how much more she could get out of the book, which was not, after all, very long. But evidently, she was still deciphering something in it. Because Spellman's syllabary lay open on the end of the armchair. Harry cleared his throat. He felt exactly as he had done on the same occasion several years previously when he had asked Professor McGonagall whether he could go to Hogsmeade, despite the fact that he had not persuaded the Dursleys to sign his permission slip. Hermione, I've been thinking, and... Harry, could you help me with something? Apparently she had not been listening to him. She leaned forward and held out the tales of Beetle the Bard. Symbol, she said, pointing to the top of a page, above which Harry assumed was the title of the story. Being unable to read runes, he could not be sure. There was a picture of what looked like a triangular eye, its pupil crossed with a vertical line. I never took ancient runes, Hermione. I know that, but this isn't a rune, and it's not in the syllabary either. All along, I thought that it was a picture of an eye, but I don't think that it is. It's been inked in. Look, somebody's drawn it in. It's not really part of the book. 
think, have you ever seen that before? No. No, wait a moment. Harry looked closer. Isn't that the same symbol that Luna's dad was wearing around his neck? That, that's what I thought too. Then it's Grindelwald's mark. She stared at him, open-mouthed. What? Crumb told me. He recounted the story that Victor Crumb had told him at the wedding. Hermione looked astonished. Grindelwald's mark? She looked from Harry to the weird symbol and back again. I've never heard anything about Grindelwald having a mark. There's no mention of it in anything that I've ever read about him. Well, like I say, Crumb reckoned that the symbol was carved on a wall at Darmstrang, and Grindelwald put it there. She fell back into the old armchair, frowning. That's very odd. If it's a symbol of dark magic, what's it doing in a book of children's stories? Yeah, it's weird, said Harry. And you think that Scrimjaw would have recognized it? He was minister. He ought to have been an expert on dark stuff. No. Perhaps he thought that it was just an eye, like I did. All the other stories have little pictures over the titles. She did not speak, but continued to pour over the strange mark. Harry tried again. Hermione? Hmm? I've been thinking. I... I want to go to Godric's Hollow. She looked up at him, but her eyes were unfocused and he was sure she was still thinking about the mysterious mark in the book. Yes, she said. Yes, I've been wondering that too. I really think that we'll have to. Did you hear me right? He asked. Of course I did. You want to go to Godric Hollow? I agree. I think that we should. I mean, I can't think of anywhere else that it could be either. It's, it's going to be dangerous. But the more that I think about it, the more likely it seems that it's there. Um, that, that what's there? Asked Harry. After that, she looked just as bewildered as he felt. Well, the sword, Harry. Hermione must have known that you'd want to go back there. And I mean, Godric's Hollow is Godric Gryffindor's birthplace. Really? Gryffindor came from Godric's Hollow? Harry, did you ever even open a history of magic? Um, he said, smiling for what felt like the first time in months. The muscles in his face felt oddly stiff. I might have opened it, you know, when I bought it. Just the once. Well, as the village is named after him, I thought that you'd have... Made some sort of connection, said Hermione. She sounded much more like her old self than she had done of late. Harry half expected her to announce that she was off to the library. There's a bit about the village and a history of magic. Wait. She opened the beaded bag and rummaged for a while, finally extracting her copy of their old school textbook, A History of Magic, by Batilda Bagshot, which she thumbed through until finding the page that she wanted. Um, and by the way, folks, uh, just a quick note, a couple of things. Uh, Daddy Trucker, thanks for the follow. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Um, although you're probably driving bigger rigs than uh, we do around here. <laughs> 
Memnite, thank you for the gift sub, and uh, Ashmore, thanks for throwing those bits my way. Uh, but I wanted to say very, very quickly, there was a question in the Discord recently about when was the statue of, Statute of Secrecy enacted? Listen closely. Upon the signature of the International Statute of Secrecy in 1689, wizards went into hiding for good. It was natural, perhaps, that they formed their own small communities within a community. Many small villages and hamlets attracted several magical families who banded together for mutual support and protection. The villages of Tinworth in Cornwall, Upper Flagley in Yorkshire, and Ottery St. Catchpole on the south coast of England were notable homes to knots of wizarding families who lived alongside tolerant and sometimes confounded muggles. Most celebrated these half-magical dwellings in places... Uh, wait, what? Oh, most celebrated of these magical dwellings is perhaps Godric's Hollow, the West Country village where the great wizard Godric Gryffindor was born, and where Bowman Wright, wizarding smith, forged the first golden snitch. The graveyard is full of the names of ancient and magical families, and this accounts, no doubt, for the stories of hauntings that might have dragged the little church beside it for... Oh, <laughs> the many stories of hauntings that have dogged the little church beside it for many centuries. Harry, you and your parents aren't mentioned. Hermione said, closing the book, because Professor Bagshot doesn't cover anything later than the end of the 19th century. But, you see, Godric's Hollow, Godric Gryffindor, Godric Gryffindor's sword, don't you think that Dumbledore would have expected you to make that connection? Oh. Yeah. Harry did not want to admit he had not been thinking about the sword at all when he suggested they go back to Godric's Hollow. For him... The lure of the village lay in his parents' graves, the house where he had narrowly escaped death, and in the person of Batilda Bagshot. "'Do you remember what Muriel said?' he asked eventually. "'Who?' "'You know,' he hesitated. He did not want to say Ron's name. "'Ginny's great-aunt. At the wedding. The one who said that you had skinny ankles.' "'Oh.' she said. It was a sticky moment. Ron... Nope. Harry knew that she had sensed Ron's name in the offing. He rushed on. She said that Batilda Bagshot still lives in Godric's Hollow. Batilda Bagshot, murmured Hermione, running her index finger over Batilda's embossed name on the front of A History of Magic. Well, I suppose... She gasped so dramatically that Harry's insides turned over. He drew his wand, looking at the entrance, half expecting to see a hand forcing its way through the entrance flap. But there was nothing there. What? he said, half angry, half relieved. What did you do that for? Oh, I thought you'd seen a Death Eater unzipping the tent. Or at least... Harry, what if Batilda's got the sword? What if Dumbledore entrusted it to her? Harry considered this possibility. Batilda would be an extremely old woman by now, and according to Muriel, she was Gaga. Was it likely that Dumbledore would have hidden the sword of Gryffindor with her? If so, Harry felt that Dumbledore had left a great deal to chance. Dumbledore had never revealed that he was replacing the sword with a fake, nor that he had had so much as a friendship with Batilda. Now, however, was not the moment to cast doubt on Hermione's theory. Not when she was so willingly, and surprisingly willingly, not when she was so surprisingly willing to fall in line with Harry's dearest wish. 
Yeah, he might have done. So, are we going to Godric's Hollow? Yes. But I think... We'll have to discuss it carefully, Harry. She was sitting up now, and Harry could tell that the prospect of having a plan again had lifted her mood as much as his. We'll need to practice to separating together, under the invisibility cloak for a start, and perhaps disillusionment charms will be sensible too. Unless you think that we should go whole hog and use Polyjuice Potion? In that case, we'll have to collect hair from somebody. I actually think we'd better do that, Harry. The thicker our disguises, the better. Harry let her talk, nodding and agreeing wherever there was a pause, but his mind had left the conversation. For the first time since he had discovered the sword in Gringotts was a fake, he felt excited. He was about to go home, about to return to the place where he had had a family. It was in Godric's Hollow that, but for Voldemort, he would have grown up and spent every school holiday. He could have invited friends to his house. He might even have had brothers and sisters. It would have been his mother who had made his 17th birthday cake. The life he had lost had hardly ever seemed so real to him as at this moment, when he knew he was about to see the place where it had been taken from him. After Hermione had gone to bed that night, Harry quickly extracted his rucksack from Hermione's beaded bag, and from inside it, the photograph album Hagrid had given him so long ago. For the first time in months, he perused the old pictures of his parents, smiling and waving up at him from the images which were all he had left of them now. Harry would gladly have set out for Godric's Hollow that following day, but Hermione had other ideas. Convinced as she was that Voldemort would expect Harry to return to the scene of his parents' deaths, she was determined that they would set off only after they had ensured that they had the best disguises possible. It was therefore a full week later, once they had surreptitiously obtained hairs from innocent muggles who were Christmas shopping, and had practiced apparating and disapparating while underneath the invisibility cloak together, that Hermione agreed to make the journey. They were to apparate to the village under the cover of darkness. So it was late afternoon when they finally swallowed Polyjuice Potion, Harry transforming into a balding middle-aged muggle man, Hermione into his small and rather mousy wife. The beaded bag contained all of their possessions, apart from the horcrux, which Harry was wearing around his neck. The bag was tucked inside an inside pocket of Hermione's buttoned-up coat. Harry lowered the invisibility cloak over them, and they turned into the suffocating darkness once more. Some of those notes are a little dulled for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. It must be just their proximity to the, the bolt that holds them in place. But I forgot this was here. So, a uh, quick chatter break. Um, let's see. Where's my... I gotta, I gotta get rid of this. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'll bring it back up later. Never you fear. Um, another quick chatter break, folks. Harry's heading back. Sam's a houseplant and we need to water him. Indeed, and yet at the same time... It's tough to keep track of those, especially when I'm dialed in on my PDF here. Um, folks, 
Harry's heading back. This is the moment where he sort of realizes how much was really taken from him. Of course, there's something that you never really need to... Um, um, there's, there, there are those things that you never really live with, and so you never miss them. And now he's sort of processing all of those things that perhaps... perhaps he did miss. All those things that it's possible um, he could have had, except for the fact that Voldemort interfered so heavily in his life. Um, now, I'm curious. What is it? Uh, what is it that you think would be... Like, what, what is it that Harry's got to be missing the most here? What is the moment that you think would be most... Most missing. What's le what's left the biggest hole for Harry? Because I think it's an important way. To, it's an important part of understanding the character, right? We know that um, we know that Harry sometimes feels the pangs of what he has missed. I think mostly we understand Harry as being uh, kind of a product of how he grew up. He knows he knows what it's like to hold in his temper for too long and to then lose his temper. Um, he knows hunger, he knows loneliness, and he can process those in, in uh, different ways. But um, what is it that, as he's starting to process these things, what's left the biggest hole? Witch Hazel says, it's crazy, I never even thought of Harry as having siblings. And yeah, he didn't, um, because it was never a possibility, and yet, at some point, way back in the past, if things had gone differently, maybe it would've. Let's get back into the chapter. Heart beating in his throat, Harry opened his eyes. They were standing hand in hand in a snowy lane under a dark blue sky, in which the night's first stars were already glimmering feebly. Cottages stood on either side of the narrow road, Christmas decorations twinkling in their windows. A short way ahead of them, a glow of golden street lights indicated the center of the village. All of this snow... Hermione whispered beneath the cloak. Why didn't we think of snow? After all our precautions, we're going to leave Prince. We'll just have to get rid of them. You go in front. I'll do it. Harry did not want to enter the village like a pantomime horse, trying to keep themselves concealed while magically covering their traces. Let's take off the cloak, said Harry, when she looked frightened. Oh, come on. We don't look like this and there's no one else around. I know I've done it differently in the past, but I'm going to stick with Ron, uh, Harry and Hermione's voices here, even though they are transformed. He stowed the cloak under his jacket, and they made their way forward, unhampered. The icy air stinging their faces as they passed more cottages. Any one of them might have been the one in which James and Lily had once lived, or where Matilda Bagshot lived now. Harry gazed at the front doors their snow-burdened roofs and their front porches, wondering whether he remembered any of them. Knowing deep inside, it was impossible. That he had been little more than a year old when he had left this place forever. He was not even sure whether he would be able to see the cottage at all. 
He did not know what happened when the subjects of a Fidelius charm died. Then the little lane along which they were walking curved to the left, and the heart of the village, a small square, was revealed to them. Strung all around with colored lights, there were what looked like a war memorial in the middle, partly obscured by a wind-blown Christmas tree. There were several shops, a post office, a pub, and a little church, whose stained glass windows were glowing jewel-bright around the square. The snow here had become impacted. It was hard and slippery where people had trodden on it all day. Villagers were crisscrossing in front of them their figures briefly illuminated by street lamps. They heard a snatch of laughter and pop music as the pub door opened and closed. Then they heard a carol start up inside the little church. Harry, I think it's Christmas Eve, said Hermione. Is it? He had lost track of the date. They had not seen a newspaper for weeks. I'm sure that it is, said Hermione, her eyes upon the church. They... they'll be in there, won't they? Your mum and dad, I can see the graveyard behind it. Harry felt the thrill of something that was beyond excitement, more like fear. Now that he was so near, he wondered whether he wanted to see after all. Perhaps Hermione knew how he was feeling because she reached out for his hand and took the lead for the first time pulling him forward. Halfway across the square, however, she stopped dead. Harry, look! He was pointing at the war memorial. As they had passed it, it had transformed. Instead of an obelisk covered in names, there was a statue of three people. A man with untidy hair and glasses. A woman with long hair and a kind, pretty face and a baby boy sitting in his mother's arms. Snow lay upon all their heads like fluffy white caps. Harry drew closer, gazing up into his parents' faces. He never imagined that there would be a statue. How strange it was to see himself represented in stone, a happy baby, without a scar on his forehead. Come on said Harry, when he had looked his fill, and they turned again toward the church. As they crossed the road, he glanced over his shoulder. The statue had turned back into the war memorial. The singing grew louder as they approached the church. It made Harry's throat constrict. It reminded him so forcefully of Hogwarts, of Peeves bellowing rude versions of Christmas carols from inside suits of armor, of the Great Hall's twelve Christmas trees, of Dumbledore wearing a bonnet he had won in a cracker, and of Ron in a hand-knitted sweater. There was a kissing gate at the entrance to the graveyard. Hermione pushed it open as quietly as possible, and they edged through it. On either side of the slippery path to the church doors, the snow lay deep and untouched. They moved off through the snow, carving deep trenches behind them as they walked around the building, keeping to the shadows beneath the brilliant windows. Behind the church, row upon row of snowy tombstones protruded from a blanket of pale blue that was flecked with dazzling red, gold, and green wherever the reflections from the stained glass hit the snow. 
Keeping his hand closed on the closed tightly on his wand in his jacket pocket, Harry moved toward the nearest grave. Look at this. It's an abbot. Could be some long-lost relation of Hannah's. Keep your voice down, Hermione begged him. They waded deeper and deeper into the graveyard, gouging dark tracks in the snow behind them, snooping between the words on old headstones, every now and then squinting into the surrounding darkness to make absolutely sure they were unaccompanied. Harry, here. Hermione was two rows of tombstones away. He had to wade back to her, his heart positively banging in his chest. Is it? No, but look. She pointed to the dark stone. Harry stooped down and saw, upon the frozen, lichen-spotted granite, the words Kendra Dumbledore, and a short way below her, the dates of birth and death, and her daughter Ariana. It was also a quotation. Where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. So Rita Skeeter and Muriel had got some of their facts right. The Dumbledore family had indeed lived here, and part of it had died here. Seeing the grave was worse than hearing about it. Harry could not help thinking that he and Dumbledore both had deep roots in this graveyard, and that Dumbledore ought to have told him so. Yet, he had never thought to share the connection. They could have visited this place together. For a moment, Harry imagined coming here with Dumbledore, of what a bond it would have been, how much it would have meant to him. But it seemed that to Dumbledore, the fact that their families lay side by side in the same graveyard had been an unimportant coincidence, irrelevant, perhaps, to the job he wanted Harry to do. Hermione was looking at Harry, and he was glad that his face was hidden in shadow. He read the words on the tombstone again, Where your treasure is... There will your heart be also. He did not understand what these words meant. Surely Dumbledore had chosen them as the eldest member of the family once his mother had died. Are you sure that he never mentioned... Hermione began. No, said Harry curtly. Then, let's keep walking. And he turned away, wishing he had not seen the stone. He did not want his excited trepidation tainted with resentment. Here, cried Hermione again a few moments later from out of the darkness. Oh, no, sorry, I thought it said Potter. She was rubbing at a crumbling mossy stone, gazing down at it, a little frown on her face. Harry, come back a moment. He did not want to be sidetracked again and only grudgingly made his way through the snow toward her. What? Look at this. The grave was extremely old, weathered so that Harry could hardly make out the name. Hermione told him the symbol beneath it. Harry, that's the mark from the book, isn't it? He peered at the place she indicated. The stone was so worn that it was hard to make out what was engraved there, although there did seem to be a triangular mark beneath the nearly illegible name. Yeah, it could be. Hermione lit her wand and pointed it at the name on the headstone. It says Ig Ignotus, I think. I'm going to keep looking for my parents, all right? Harry told her, a slight edge to his voice. 
and he set off again, leaving her crouched beside the old grave. Every now and then he recognized a surname that, like Abbott, he had met at Hogwarts. Sometimes there were several generations of the same wizarding family represented in the graveyard. Harry could tell from the names that it had either died out or the current members had moved away from Godric's Hollow. Deeper and deeper amidst the graves he went, and every time he reached a new headstone he felt a little lurch of apprehension and anticipation. The darkness and the silence seemed to become all of a sudden much deeper. Harry looked around, worried, thinking of Dementors, and then realized that the carols had finished, and that the chatter and the flurry of churchgoers were fading away as they made their way back into the square. Somebody inside the church had just turned off the lights. Then, Hermione's voice came out of the blackness for a third time, sharp and clear from a few yards away. Harry? They're here. Right here. And he knew by her tone that it was his mother and father this time. He moved toward her, feeling as if something heavy were pressing on his chest, the same sensation he had had after Dumbledore had died, a grief that actually weighed on his heart and lungs. The headstone was only two rows behind Kendra and Ariana's. It was made of white marble, just like Dumbledore's tomb, and this made it easy to read, as it seemed to shine in the dark. Harry did not need to kneel or even approach very close to it to make out the words engraved upon it. James Potter, born 27 March, 1960, died 31 October, 1981. Lily Potter, born 30 January, 1960, died 31 October, 1981. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Harry read the words slowly, as though he would only have one chance to take in their meaning, and he read the last of them aloud. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death? A horrible thought came to him, with a kind of panic. Isn't that a Death Eater idea? Why is that there? It doesn't mean defeating death in the way that Death Eaters mean it, Harry, said Hermione, her voice gentle. It means, you know, living beyond death, living after death. But they were not living, thought Harry. They were gone. The empty words could not disguise the fact that his parents' moldering remains lay beneath snow and stone. Indifferent, unknowing, and tears came before he could stop them. Boiling hot, then instantly freezing on his face, and what was the point in wiping them off, or pretending? He let them fall. His lips pressed hard together, looking down at the thick snow, hiding from his eyes the place where the last of Lillian James lay. Bones now, surely, or dust not knowing or caring that their living stun stood so near. His heart still beating, alive because of the sacrifice, and close to wishing at this moment 
that he was sleeping under the snow with them. Hermione had taken his hand again and was gripping it tightly. He could not look at her, but returned the pressure, now taking deep, sharp gulps of the night air, trying to steady himself, trying to regain control. He should have brought something to give them, and he had not thought of it, and every plant in the graveyard was leafless and frozen. But Hermione raised her wand, moved it in a circle through the air, and a wreath of Christmas roses blossomed before them. Harry caught it and laid it on his parents' grave. As soon as he stood up, he wanted to leave. He did not think he could stand here another moment. He put his arm around Hermione's shoulders, and she put hers around his waist, and they turned in silence and walked away through the snow, past Dumbledore's mother and sister, back toward the dark church and the out-of-sight kissing gate. That's the end of our chapter, folks. Everyone, thank you for bearing with me. I apologize for all of our technical delays. Uh, that is our first of two chapters for the night. For those of you who are joining us late or aren't sure what the heck this is, hi, welcome. Good to have you here. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and this particular show is called I'm 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 I've been calling it recently Flying Sidecar. <laughs> My stutter's acting up again. Um this is Flying Sidecar. It is a voice actor's venture through some books that we all love. Uh, right now, we are on the Deathly Hallows in the Harry Potter series. Next up, um, starting in a, uh, like a, oh boy, not very long, frankly, uh, we are going to be going to uh, the Percy Jackson series. Um, but folks, thank you very much for staying with me here. Everyone who's uh, helping me, who's who, who is riding in the sidecar, white knuckled, just holding on through our technical difficulties. Thank you very much uh, for everyone who has been so generous today. I want to thank you a ton. Uh, like I said, I'm, I try to keep things relatively smooth during the chapter. So, um, if you want that immediate thank you, um, then between chapters is the best option. But of course, I appreciate it so very much. Uh, seeing all that come up on screen, some of it, uh, y'all might have seen like a bunch of subscriptions there. Some of it was definitely a leftover from YouTube for some odd reason. I don't know why it, it threw it in there, but <laughs> Mighty Mage, don't worry. Mighty Mage, with all of the mages Mighty Might, is going to fix things for us. We've got a Reparo spell. I think that should do it. Uh, hopefully my, my router fan will be uh, enough to augment your magic properly. Um, but no, folks, I really, really do appreciate it. Hogwarts Hippie says no thanks necessary, but I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, it is basically, it's something that has helped me. Uh, this channel has given me a lot of purpose, especially during quarantine right now, where I can't be doing a lot of other things. Um, and uh, I... I've look. I've gone through my my through periods in my life where I've needed something to give. I needed a reason to wake up. I'm not there right now, fortunately. But Sidecar Stories has definitely given me a reason to wake up earlier and to do something with my time. And so I appreciate that a ton. And everyone who has shown all this this generosity, you have made it possible for me to sort of expand out and you know like commit to a whole month where I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Uh, because I can, the numbers make sense, I can dedicate time to this thing, so 
thank you so much and all the rest of you folks who are enjoying sidecar stories and the various things that we do here you can thank these folks as well because they're the reason why a lot of these new things are popping up so thank you all very very much saucy pops has to head out for the night saucy pops i'm gonna miss you a lot have a good one uh it's been good to have you here and uh i hope you have a great night um (laughs) have a great night saucy um but uh let's see I hope you're all doing well. As is our tradition, I'm going to be taking a quick five-minute intermission. Um, As per usual now, unfortunately, uh, I am going to be running uh, ads during that time. You can just mute them. I don't care. Uh, Frankly, I don't have any control over what ads get run on my channel, so I I hereby condone none of them. (laughs) Mute them, suckas. Uh, But I'm going to be running those during the break. Uh, I put barbecue sauce on a pop. Excuse me? Oh, I picture, I picture it. Um, so for saucy pops, yeah, that's not. <laughs> it's not like barbecue sauce on popcorn, which honestly, barbecue popcorn probably would not be a terrible flavor. Obviously, you wouldn't want barbecue sauce popcorn, but just like barbecue popcorn, I'll bet that exists somewhere. Somebody's done it. Loverly Random says my phone's getting low. I'm watching a show with my husband because it's the only way we get to spend time together. I know, I know where that's at. That's actually the, one of the things that I. That was a, a part of why I started to do this was I would read aloud uh, when I was long distance with Mama Cass. Um, I would read Harry Potter out loud, and uh, it was one of the things that it was just one of the ways that we got to spend time together. So uh, I see you, Loverly Random. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you later. Uh, yeah, Muffliato adds, <laughs> Mighty Mage knows all the spells. Uh, it's good to have an authority in here, Professor Mighty Mage. Um, M&M's on pizza, Swan Song. What? What are you? T- <laughs> What are you talking about? You almost you almost jogged me back into uh, you know bumping the rating back up to PG thirteen. <laughs> I see. Well, call. I'm glad you. I'm glad you snuck off, folks. Thank you very much for being here with me. Before I leave, and before I forget, a chatter break question for us because we need one as we're going into this break because y'all are gonna have five minutes to sort of discuss amongst yourselves. Um, Harry has come here to this place where his parents are buried. And he is thinking, honestly, even more, um, he spends slightly more time, it seems, on what it meant that Dumbledore did not bring this up. He spends slightly more time on that even than he does on the the sort of things that he his life is missing because his parents are departed. Um, okay, Hall? All right, fair enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember it. Uh, I thought you were going for like a Khal Drogo kind of thing, but... K-Hall's pretty cool. Five minutes to talk about Sam behind his back, says Lisa. <laughs> hey, that's what the Discord is for. Um, and speaking of, folks, uh, I have got that Discord command in there. So if you are new here and you want to know a little bit more about the channel, well, first of all, uh, here is my schedule for the coming month. Uh, go ahead and screen cap this, but also it is in the notifications channel on Discord. Um, this is the link right here. Y'all can do this whenever you wish, and it should bring up the link if, uh, if new people are wondering how to get more info. Uh, go to the notifications channel, scroll all the way up, choose the stuff you want to hear about so you don't have to hear about anything else. Um, go ahead and screen cap this. Like I said, it'll be elsewhere, but uh, Hogwarts Hippie, the Chatterbreak question is, on the subject of all this business with uh, Harry and Dumbledore and uh, all of these wizarding families here that uh, seem to have this history, um, Harry does not connect very often with his 
history, with his lineage. What do we think is what do we think has been most significant about his sort of ancestry? Um, because ancestry plays a huge part of these books, and yet Harry does not sort of reference his very often. What do we think Harry's connection to ancestry is, and what does that mean for this character? There's our question as we go into break. Uh, Death Metal Dahlia says, Funny you mentioned Khal Drogo. I made a duplicate of his massive leather kidney belt for a custom order. Is that what it's called? A kidney belt? I have never heard that before in my life. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder, Hogwarts Hippie. I, I, did, I did not forget that time, but look, it was a possibility. It was definitely possible. Okay, folks, we're going to our break. I will see you all in five minutes. Adios. And we're back. Hello, hello. How y'all doing? Folks, it's been a good one so far. I hope you all are enjoying it. Um, we've had a couple of uh, a couple of goof em ups here at the uh, at the on the tech end of things, but that's all right. We're fighting through them as we always do, and uh, I hope everyone's having a good time. Um, let me go ahead and I'm just gonna re-notify Discord. Uh, just tell everyone like, let's see, uh, tell the Potterheads. I can't for some reason. Hello, what's going on here? There we go. Uh, Biterheads, we're back for a second chapter. Uh, if your stream went down, try reloading. There we go. Okay. Sonorous. Indeed, I missed that one. I miss, uh, y'all, I'm not sure if y'all are aware, but I used to, um, uh, use like a super analog trick to make that sonorous voice work back when I was doing um, uh, uh, Ludo Bagman. Um, that was not like, now I've got a voice changer for some of these things that I enjoy a lot, but back when I was doing that one, uh, I would just route the the sound through my um, uh, my laptop speakers instead of my earbuds, and then I would let my my mic pick that up on the uh, on the reverb and just use that to do the echoing effect. Um, now I've got fun stuff like this that I can mess around with. <laughs> Folks, we're back from our break. I wonder, uh, I do wonder who joins at like the middle of this here, but uh, yeah, it looks like Green Lorax has provided some, uh, some additional context to something that I believe it was uh, Holly Rose that mentioned it. Uh, something about uh, one of Harry's ancestors um, being a, <laughs> some sort of hair cream magnet. Magnate, excuse me, is the proper pronunciation. Um, uh, looks like there's some additional writing about it. That's interesting. Uh, Lisa says, do we know about uh, Harry's family beyond the fact that he had an aunt on his mom's side and his dad's family was pure blood? We don't know a ton. Certainly not from the, the books themselves, right? We don't get a ton of additional insight into, like, who were Harry's grandparents, which is... I don't know, it's kind of funny, because it seems like with, uh, with a series that takes... Um, like, this series takes, like, lineage and family structures really seriously, and yet we don't see a lot of grandparents, do we? Does that seem a little odd? It seems a little odd to me, only right now as I'm sort of starting to process it, but really, like, it seems kind of funny that um, we, we see, you know, great aunts and everything, but, like, I would anticipate that we would see, like, where's Ron's, where are Ron's grandparents? 
Like, it seems like somewhere in there we would meet, uh, you know, either Molly or Arthur's parents, and I'm just surprised we don't. Uh, Shehanigans wonders, what happened to my dragon, dragon egg? Just a second. Ta-da! Here it is. Um, this is Ike's old egg, which I, I have meticulously put back together uh, after, um, after Ike hatched. And of course, here is Ike the dragon himself. Here he is. He has not grown very much, which I almost wonder, I almost wonder like, do I need to be feeding him more or better? Uh, but this is Ike. Um, <laughs> there we go. For those of you who are wondering, and uh, for those of you who are wondering how it is I got my hands on a dragon egg such as this, this was a, uh, a gift that was, I'll say, uh, I guess handcrafted might be one way to put it, but we'll say coordinated with uh, uh, Charlie Weasley by my sister Rachel. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Like, check out the... <laughs> check out the glint on it and everything and for some reason it's not making my green screen freak out so you actually get to see what this thing really looks like which is pretty cool right as a matter of fact let me bounce over here look at that look at this big beautiful thing okay there's a little bit of that <laughs> that green screen freak out but how cool is that thing this is my um ukrainian iron belly dragon egg <laughs> Might mighty mage you're fired <laughs> Come on, I actually, actually, you know what? I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. I used to, I used to work at a restaurant with a very bad pun name, but I don't want to <laughs> draw too much attention to that. Oh yikes! Um, my plan eventually, like, I would love to have my space set up in such a way that um, I actually have this stuff visible because I, I like some of this like these things are really important to me both of these things came from people that I really appreciate I should sorry I try to maintain like the whole <laughs> the mystique around it but frankly um my sister Rachel made me this and this uh came from none other than Tuna Sunday and uh I appreciate both of them very much for it and I want to have them like up on display um which I mean I I do technically just not where the camera can see them so maybe at some point Right now, this camera probably is not good enough to make that happen anyway, so... Anyway. Oh, Holly Rose. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw Ike. Ike is in the lo-fi art here. Where's he at? Hold on. You know what? I'm not going to point him out. I want y'all to find Ike. <laughs> we can do a nice little I spy, because there's a ton of detail in that. Um... Uh, we'll, we'll play a little I Spy next time that screen is up because it will be after the stream is over uh, good luck you gotta find Ike <laughs> okay fantastic welcome back Barry Barry Bethy um, is it still being weird though this one's not on my end this one's not showing up anything on my end um, but uh, yeah anyone who's having trouble like Discord is a fine spot to try and do the alternative you can also try setting uh, Twitch to I think there's a, a an audio only setting on Twitch. You can try to go with that, but boop. There you go. There's the link if you want to head over to Discord. Um, you should find the live stream channel up at the very top. Just join in there. You'll see a bunch of names, and that should give you a hint on where to go. Uh, Alright, folks. Let's talk. And uh, Green Lorax, I haven't seen you. Uh, you. You must have been lurking for a while. Otherwise, you haven't been around for a bit, but uh, yeah. Miss you, bud. It's good to see you back. Um, and uh, Let's see. 
I missed something. Where was it? Doo -doo 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 -doo. It okay. Has it? I think it might have just straight up disappeared. Oh yeah, the the uh, the donuts. Uh, yeah, S car love it. Look, <laughs> I was doing the donuts for a while, but I got really annoyed because in the new program I use, I can't hide them nearly as well. So it would just be like a big obnoxious donut off on one side. So uh, I do miss that tradition, though. Unfortunately, it's I, I'm I'm disappointed we can't keep doing it in the same way. Uh, now. Let's talk review for anyone who's joining us late. Hi, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Welcome to the library and welcome to Flying Sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some books that we all love. Um, we have got chapter 17 up next, which means we need to talk about what happened in chapter 16 for anybody who's just joining us or who was having some technical issues and is now back. Um, chapter 16. Harry, at the very beginning, finally convinces Hermione to go to Godric's Hollow, but not for the reason Harry wants to go. Harry is thinking entirely about his parents, and specifically his parents' grave. But Hermione has brought up the idea that, you know, perhaps... Perhaps... The sword of Godric Gryffindor could feasibly be there. It seems that, uh, you know, being Godric's Hollow and all, being named after Godric Gryffindor, uh, it seems sensible that perhaps... The sword might be there. Maybe even, you know, it's it's possible that Dumbledore even left the sword in Batilda Bagshot's possession, as they were friends. Um, uh, the end of the last chapter had cut off? Probably the last page? What's going on with this? <sighs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. We're we starting off with a glitch left off or the next chapter. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, so where exactly did y'all leave off? Because I I was able to complete the chapter, I think, for the most part. Um, did it, yeah, did something get goofed again? Because I think, yeah, I think y'all, like, y'all heard the, um, uh, the chatter break question and all. Now I'm trying to think, am I going to have an opportunity or a, a, a decent time to restream this? And I'm not sure that I'm going to. Um, <laughs> you don't need to do the jumping jacks. I had to do all the other stuff, though. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I see. Sparkle Love Good. Um, okay, it will be up here uh, shortly, later on tonight. Um, but uh, basically, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it in our review as much as possible. Um, because frankly, there's a lot of... There, uh, we spend a lot of time in Harry's head, but there's not a lot of like action moments. Um, not a lot of plot moments happening um they harry and hermione go to godric's hollow and they find that oh wait a second they lost they both lost track of time and it seems it's christmas eve that's how sort of lost in this quest they are um and we are we follow them as they move through this town it is a wizarding town uh, a notable one indeed uh, a notable one in fact that um uh you know was home to the dumbledores and godric gryffindor and uh it seems that it's even more sort of uh, uh magically influenced than we first realized as there's a war memorial in the center of town that when they pass close enough to it changes and they see that its true form is a hairy a statue of Harry's parents and Harry as a baby. They go into the graveyard where they anticipate they will find Harry's parents' grave and they see a number of names including the, you know, the abbots, wizarding names that uh, uh, they can sort of, they can sort of see many of them 
have uh, sort of dissipated, and um, they see a couple of things. First of all, Ariana and uh, Kendra Dumbledore's grave, uh, which gives their their dates of of birth and death, and also um, an odd little note. Uh, let's see, uh, some some text here that says. Oh, come on now. I want to find it. Okay. Where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. And the graves of Harry's parents. Um, There's an odd line on Harry's parents' graves that says, uh, the last enemy that shall be defeated is death. Something along those lines. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, which is the most hardcore thing to put on a gravestone that I've ever heard. Um, Harry's a little baffled by this because he knows this as kind of a, a spin-off of a Death Eater idea, but Hermione tries to reassure him. Um, and they leave the uh, they leave the graveyard. But they are still in Godric's Hollow. So, like I said, we're going to try to plow on. Folks, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for holding on tight. Uh, let's get into our next chapter, shall we? Before this thing, before this, this dirigible blows up. And, uh, as usual... I appreciate all of your generosity. I will, uh, I'll be addressing it during chatter breaks and such. Chapter 17. Matilda's Secret. Harry? Stop. What's wrong? They only just reached the grave of the unknown abbot. There's someone here. Someone watching us. I can tell. There, over by the bushes. They stood quite still, holding on to each other, gazing at the dense black boundary of the graveyard. Harry could not see anything. Are you sure? I saw something move. I could have sworn I did. She broke free from him to free her wand arm. We look like muggles, Harry told her. Muggles who have just been lying flowers on your parents' grave. Harry, I'm sure that there's someone there. Harry thought a little of a history of magic. This graveyard was supposed to be haunted. What if... But then he heard a rustle and saw a little eddy of dislodged snow in the bush to which Hermione had pointed. Ghosts could not move snow. It's a cat, said Harry after a second or two. Or a bird. If it was a Death Eater, we'd be dead by now. Let's get out of here. We can put the cloak back on. They glanced back repeatedly as they made their way out of the graveyard. Harry, who did not feel as sanguine as he had pretended when reassuring Hermione, was glad to reach the gate and the slippery pavement. They pulled the invisibility cloak back over themselves. The pub was fuller than before. Many voices inside were now singing the carol that they had heard as they approached the church. For a moment, Harry considered suggesting they take refuge inside it, but before they could say anything, Hermione murmured, Let's go this way and pulled him back down the dark street leading out of the village in the opposite direction from where they had entered. Harry could make out the point where the cottages ended and the lane turned into open country again. They walked as quickly as they dared, past more windows sparkling with multicolored lights, the outlines of Christmas trees dark through the windows. How are we going to find Batilda's house? asked Hermione, who was shivering a little and kept glancing back over her shoulder. Harry? Uh, 
do you think? Harry? She tugged his arm, but Harry was not paying any attention. He was looking toward the dark mass that stood at the very end of this row of houses. Next moment he had sped up, dragging Hermione along with him. She slipped a little on the ice. Harry? Look. Look at it, Hermione. I don't... Oh. He could see it. The Fidelia's charm must have died with James and Lily. The hedge had grown wild in the sixteen years since Hagrid had taken Harry from the rubble that lay scattered across the waist-high grass. Most of the cottage was still standing, though entirely covered in dark ivy and snow, but the right side of the top floor had been blown apart. That, Harry was sure, was where the curse had backfired. He and Hermione stood at the gate, gazing up at the wreck of what must have once been a cottage just like those that flanked it. Why nobody's ever rebuilt it? whispered Hermione. Maybe you can't rebuild it, Harry replied. Maybe it's like the injuries from dark magic. You can't repair the damage. He slipped a hand from beneath the cloak and grasped the snowy and thickly rusted gate, not wishing to open it, but simply to hold some part of the house. You're not going to go inside. It looks unsafe. It might... Oh, Harry, look. His touch on the gate seemed to have done it. A sign had risen out of the ground in front of them, up through the tangles of nettles and weeds like some bizarre, fast-growing flower, and in golden letters upon the wood, it said, On this spot, on the night of 31 October, 1981, Lily and James Potter lost their lives. Their son, Harry, remains the only wizard ever to have survived the killing curse. This house, invisible to muggles, had been left in its ruined state as a monument to the Potters and as a reminder of the violence that tore apart their families. All around these neatly lettered words, scribbles had been added by other witches and wizards who had come to see the place where the boy who lived had escaped. Some had merely signed their names in everlasting ink. Others had carved their initials into the wood, Still others had left messages. The most recent of these, shining brightly over sixteen years' worth of magical graffiti, all said similar things. Good luck, Harry, wherever you are. If you read this, Harry, we're all behind you. Long live Harry Potter. They shouldn't have written on the sign, said Hermione, indignant. But Harry beamed at her. It's brilliant. I'm glad they did. I... He broke off. A heavily muffled figure was hobbling up the lane toward them, silhouetted by the bright lights in the distant square. Harry thought, though it was hard to judge, that the figure was a woman. She was moving slowly, possibly frightened of slipping on the snowy ground. Her stoop, her stoutness, her shuffling gait all gave an impression of extreme age, they watched in silence as she grew nearer. Harry was waiting to see whether she would turn into any of the cottages she was passing, but he knew instinctively that she would not. At last, she came to a halt a few yards away from them and simply stood there, in the middle of the frozen road, facing them. 
He did not need Hermione's pinch to his arm. There was next to no chance that this woman was a muggle. She was standing there gazing at a house which ought to have been completely invisible to her. If she was not a witch... Even assuming that she was a witch, however, it was odd behavior to come out on a night in this cold, simply to look at an old ruin. By all the normal rules of magic, meanwhile, she ought not to have been able to see Hermione and him at all. Nevertheless, Harry had the strangest feeling she knew that they were there, and also who they were. Just as he had reached this uneasy conclusion, he raised the gloved hand and beckoned. Hermione moved closer to him under the trunk. The trunk? Excuse me, Sam, are you kidding? Hermione moved closer to him under the cloak, her arm pressed against his. They've <laughs> just got like a school trunk held over their heads like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. How does she know? He shook his head. The woman beckoned again, more vigorously. Harry could not think of many reasons not to obey the summons, and yet his suspicions about her identity were growing stronger every moment that they stood facing each other in the deserted street. Was it possible she had been waiting for them all these long months? That Dumbledore had told her to wait, and that Harry would come in the end? It was not likely that it was she who moved... Was it not likely that it was she who moved in the shadows in the graveyard, and had followed them to this spot? Even her ability to sense them suggested some Dumbledore-ish power that he had never considered before. Finally, Harry spoke, causing Hermione to jump and gasp. Are you Batilda? The muffled figure nodded and beckoned again. Beneath the cloak, Harry and Hermione looked at each other. Harry raised his eyebrows. Hermione gave a tiny, nervous nod. As they stepped toward the woman once more, at once she turned and hobbled back off the way that they had come. Leading them past several houses, she turned in at a gate. They followed her up the front path, through a garden nearly as overgrown as the one they had just left. She fumbled for a moment with a key at the front door, then opened it and stepped back to let them pass. She smelled bad, or perhaps it was just her house. Harry wrinkled his nose as they sidled past her and pulled off the cloak. Now that he was beside her, he realized how tiny she was. Bowed down with age, she barely came level with his chest. She closed the door behind them, her knuckles blue and mottled against the peeling paint, then turned and peered into Harry's face. Her eyes were thick with cataracts and sunken folds, and sunken into folds of transparent skin, and her whole face was dotted with broken veins and liver spots. He wondered whether she could make him out at all. Even if she could, it was the balding muggle whose identity he had stolen that she would see. The odor of old age, of dust, of unwashed clothes and stale food intensified as she unwound a moth-eaten black shawl, revealing a head of scant white hair through which the scalp showed clearly. Matilda? Harry repeated. She nodded again. Harry became aware of the locket hidden against his skin. The thing inside it that sometimes ticked or beat had woken. He could feel it pulsing through the cold gold. Did it know? 
could it sense that the thing that would destroy it was near? Batilda shuffled past them, pushing Hermione aside as though she had not seen her and vanishing into what seemed to be a sitting room. Harry, I'm not sure about this, breathed Hermione. Look at the size of her. I think we could overpower her if we had to, said Harry. Listen, I should have told you. I knew she wasn't all there. Muriel called her Gaga. Come, called Matilda from the next room. Matilda, j Hermione jumped and clutched Harry's arm. It's okay, said Harry reassuringly, and he let the, he led the way into the sitting room. Matilda was tottering amidst the place, lighting candles, but it was still very dark, not to mention extremely dirty. Thick dust crunched beneath their feet, and Harry's nose detected, underneath the dank and mildewed smell, something worse, like meat gone bad. He wondered when was the last time anyone had been inside Batilda's house to check whether she was coping. She seemed to have forgotten she could do magic too, for she lit the candles clumsily by hand, her trailing lace cuff in constant danger of catching fire. Let me do that, offered Harry, and he took the matches from her. She stood watching him as he finished lighting the candle stubs that stood on saucers around the room, perched precariously on stacks of books and on side tables crammed with cracked and moldy cups. The last surface on which Harry spotted a candle was a bow-fronted desk of drawers on which stood a large number of photographs. When the flame danced into life, its reflection wavered on their dusty glass and silver. He saw a few tiny movements from the pictures. As Batilda fumbled with logs for the fire, he muttered, Tergio. The dust vanished from the photographs, and he saw at once that half a dozen were missing from the largest and more ornate frames. He wondered whether Batilda or somebody else had removed them. Then the sight of a photograph near the back of the collection caught his eye, and he snatched it up. It was the golden-haired, merry-faced thief. The young man who had perched on Grigorovich's windowsill, smiling lazy at Harry, lazily at Harry out of the silver frame. And it came to Harry instantly where he had seen the boy before. The life and lies of Albus Dumbledore, arm in arm with the teenage Dumbledore, and that must be where all of the missing photographs were, in Rita's book. Mrs. Miss Bagshot, he said, and his voice shook slightly. Who is this? Matilda was standing in the middle of the room, watching Hermione light the fire for her. Miss Bagshot, Harry repeated as he advanced in the picture, advanced with the picture in his hands, as the flames burst into life in the fireplace. Matilda looked up. and the horcrux beat faster upon his chest. "'Who is this person?' Harry asked her, pushing the picture forward. She peered at it solemnly, then up at Harry. "'Do you know who this is?' he repeated in a much slower and louder voice than usual. "'This man! Do you know him? What's he called?' 
Matilda merely looked vague. Harry felt an awful frustration. How had Rita Skeeter unlocked Matilda's memories? Who is this man? He repeated loudly. Harry, what are you doing? The picture, Hermione. It's the thief. The thief who stole from Grigorovich. Please, he said to Matilda. Who is this? But she only stared at him. Why did you ask us to come with you, Mrs... Miss Bagshot? Asked Hermione, raising her own voice. Was there something that you wanted to tell us? Giving no sign she had heard Hermione, Batilda now shuffled a few steps closer to Harry. With a little jerk of her head, she looked back into the hall. You want us to leave? He asked. She repeated the gesture, this time pointing firstly at him, then at herself, then at the ceiling. Oh, right. Hermione, I think she wants me to go upstairs with her. All right, said Hermione. Let's go. But when Hermione moved, Batilda shook her head with surprising vigor, once more pointing first at Harry, then to herself. She wants me to go with her alone. Why? asked Hermione, and her voice rang out sharp and clear in the candlelit room. The old lady shook her head a little at the loud noise. Maybe Dumbledore told her to give the sword to me, and only me. Do you really think that she knows who you are? Yes, said Harry, looking down into the milky eyes fixed upon his own. I think she does. Well, okay then, but be quick, Harry. Lead the way, Harry told Matilda. She seemed to understand, because she shuffled along, along around him toward the door. Harry glanced back at Hermione with a reassuring smile, but he was not sure she had seen it. She stood hugging herself in the midst of the candlelit squalor, looking toward the bookcase. As Harry walked out of the room, unseen by both Hermione and Batilda, he slipped the silver-framed photograph of the unknown thief into his jacket. The stairs were steep and narrow. Harry was half-tempted to place his hands on stout Batilda's backside to ensure that she was not going to topple over on top of him, which seemed only too likely. Slowly, wheezing a little, she climbed to the upper landing, turned immediately right and led him into a low-ceilinged bedroom. It was pitch black and smelled horrible. Harry had just made it out Harry had just made out a chamber pot protruding from under the bed before Mat before Batilda closed the door and even that was swallowed by the darkness. Lumos, said Harry, and his wand ignited. He gave a start, but Dilla had moved close to him in those few seconds of darkness, and he had not heard her approach. You are Potter? She whispered. Yes, I am. She nodded slowly. Solemnly. Harry felt the Horcrux beating fast, faster than his own heart. It was an unpleasant, agitating sensation. Have you got anything for me? Harry asked, but she seemed distracted by his lit wand tip. Have you got anything for me? He repeated. 
Then she closed her eyes and several things happened at once. Harry's scar prickled painfully. The horcrux twitched so that the front of his sweater actually moved. The dark, fetid room dissolved momentarily. He felt a leap of joy and spoke in a high, cold voice. Hold him! Harry swayed where he stood. The dark, foul-smelling room seemed to close around him again. He did not know what had just happened. Have you got anything for me? He asked for a third time, much louder. Over here, she whispered, pointing to the corner. Harry raised his wand and saw the outline of a cluttered dressing table beneath the curtained window. This time, she did not lead him. Harry edged between her and the unmade bed, his wand raised. He did not want to look away from her. What's this? He asked as he reached the dressing table, which was heaped high with what looked like smelling, what looked and smelled like dirty laundry. She said, pointing at the shapeless mass. And in the instant he looked away, his eyes raking the tangled mess for a sword hilt, a ruby, she moved weirdly. Harry saw it out of the corner of his eye. Panic made him turn and horror paralyzed him as he saw the old body collapsing and the great snake pouring from the place where her neck had been. The snake struck as he raised his wand. The force of the bite to his forearm sent the wand spinning toward the ceiling. Its light swung dizzyingly in the room and was extinguished. Then a powerful blow from the tail to his midriff knocked his breath out of him. He fell backward onto the dressing table into the mound of filthy clothing. He rolled sideways, narrowly avoiding the snake's tail which thrashed down upon the table where he had been a second earlier. Fragments of the glass surface rained down upon him as he hit the floor. From below, he heard Hermione call, Harry! He could not get enough breath into his lungs to call back. The heavy, smooth mass smashed him to the floor and he felt it slide over him. Powerful. Muscular. No! He gasped, pinned to the floor. Yes. Repeated the voice. Yes. Hold you. Hold you. Accio. Accio wand. But nothing happened, and he needed his hands to try and force the snake away from him as it coiled around his torso squeezing the air from him, pressing the horcrux hard into his chest, a circle of ice that throbbed with life, inches from his own frantic heart, and his brain was flooding with cold white light, all thought obliterated, his own breath drowned, distant footsteps, everything going. A metal heart was banging outside his chest, and now he was flying, flying with triumph in his heart, without need of broomstick or thestral. He was abruptly awake in the sour-smelling darkness. Nagini had released him. He scrambled up and saw the snake outlined against the landing light. It struck, and Hermione dived aside with a shriek. Her deflected curse hit the curtained window, which shattered. Frozen air filled the room as Harry ducked to avoid another shower of broken glass and his foot slipped on a pencil like something. His wand 
He bent and snatched it up, but now the room was full of snake, its tail thrashing. Hermione was nowhere to be seen, and for a moment, Harry thought the worst. But then there was a loud bang and a flash of red light, and the snake flew into the air, smacking Harry hard in the face as it went, coil after heavy coil raising up to the ceiling. Harry raised his wand, but as he did so, his scar seared more painfully, more powerfully than it had done in years. He's coming! Hermione! He's coming! As he yelled, the snake fell, hissing wildly. Everything was chaos. It smashed shelves from the wall, and splintered china flew everywhere as Harry jumped over the bed and seized the dark shape he knew to be Hermione. She shrieked with pain as he pulled her back across the bed. The snake reared again, but Harry knew that the worst that the snake was coming. Harry knew that worse than the snake was coming, and perhaps was already at the gate. His head was going to split open with the pain from his scar. The snake lunged as he took a running leap, dragging Hermione with him. As it struck, Hermione screamed, Configo! And her spell flew across the room, exploding the wardrobe mirror and ricocheting back at them, bouncing from floor to ceiling. Harry felt the heat of it sear the back of his hand. Glass cut his cheek as, pulling Hermione with him, he leapt from the bed onto the broken dressing table and then straight out of the smashed window into nothingness. Her scream reverberated through the night as they twisted in midair. And then his scar burst open, and he was Voldemort. And he was running across the fetid bedroom, his long white hands clutching at the windowsill as he glimpsed the bald man and the little woman twist and vanish. And he screamed with rage, a scream that mingled with the girls that echoed across the dark gardens over the church bells ringing in Christmas Day. And his scream was Harry's scream. His pain was Harry's pain. That it could happen here, where it had happened before. Here within sight of the house where he had some come so close to knowing what it was to die. To die. The pain was so terrible. Ripped from his body. But if he had no body, why did his head hurt so badly? If he was dead, how could he feel so unbearably? Didn't pain cease with death? Why didn't it go? The night, wet and windy. Two children dressed as pumpkins waddling across the square, and the shop windows covered in paper spiders all the tawdry muggle trappings of a world in which they did not believe. And he was gliding along, that sense of purpose and power and rightness in him that he always knew on these occasions. Not anger, that was for weaker souls than he, but triumph, yes. He had waited for this. He had hoped for it. Nice costume, mister. He saw the small boy's father's smile falter 
as he ran near enough to be seen beneath the cloak of his hood. The hood of his cloak. Saw the fear clouded on his painted face. Then the child turned and ran away. Beneath the robe he fingered the handle of his wand. One simple movement. The child would never reach his mother. But unnecessary. Quite unnecessary. And along a new and darker street he moved. And now his destination was in sight at last. The Fidelius charm broken, though they did not know it yet. And he made less noise than the dead leaves slithering around the pavement as he drew level with the dark hedge and stared over it. They had not drawn the curtains. He saw them quite clearly in their little sitting room, the tall, black-haired man in his glasses, making puffs of sm colored smoke erupt from his wand for the amusement of the small, black-haired boy in his blue pajamas. The child was laughing, trying to catch the smoke. trying to grab it in a small fist. A door opened and the mother entered, saying words he could not hear. Her long, dark-haired hair, her long, dark red hair falling over her face. Now the father scooped up the son and handed him to the mother. He drew his wand, threw it down on the sofa, and stretched, yawning. The gate creaked a little as he pushed it open, but James Potter did not hear. His white hand pulled out the wand from beneath his cloak and pointed it at the door, which burst open. He was over the threshold as James came sprinting into the hall. It was easy. Too easy. He had not even picked up his wand. Lily! Take Harry and go. It's him. Go, run. I'll hold him off. Hold him off without a wand in his hand. He laughed before casting the curse. Avada Kedavra? The green light filled the cramped hallway. It lit the pram pushed against the wall. It made the banisters glare like lightning rods, and James Potter fell like a marionette whose strings were cut. He could hear her screaming from the upper floor, trapped. But as long as she was sensible, she, at least, had nothing to fear. He climbed the steps, listening with faint amusement to her attempts to barricade herself in. She had no wand upon her either. How stupid they were. Now trusting thinking that their safety lay in friends, that weapons could be discarded for even a few moments. He forced the door open, cast aside the chair and boxes hastily piled against it with one lazy wave of his wand, and there she stood, the child in her arms. At the sight of him, she dropped her son into the crib behind her and threw her arms wide as if this would help as if in shielding him from sight, she hoped to be chosen instead. 
Not Harry. Not Harry. Please, not Harry. Stand aside, you silly girl. Stand aside. Now. Not Harry. Please, no. Take me. Kill me instead. This is my last warning. Not Harry. Please have mercy. Have mercy. Not Harry. Not Harry. Please, I'll do anything. Stand aside. Stand aside, girl. He could have forced her away from the crib, but it seemed more prudent to finish them all. The green light flashed around the room, and she dropped like her husband. The child had not cried all this time. He could stand, clutching at the bars of his crib, and he looked up into the intruder's face with a kind of bright interest, perhaps thinking that it was his father who hid beneath the cloak, making more pretty lights, and that his mother would pop up at any moment, laughing. He pointed the wand very closely into the boy's face. He wanted to see it happen, the destruction of this one inexplicable danger. The child began to cry. It had seemed that he was not James. He did not like its crying. He had never been able to stomach the small ones whining in the orphanage. Avada Kedavra. And then he broke. He was nothing, nothing but pain and terror, and he must hide himself, not here in the rubble of their ruined house where the child was trapped and screaming, but far, far away. No, he moaned. The snake rustled on the floor, cluttered up, and he had killed the boy, and yet he was the boy. No. And now he stood at the broken window of Batilda's house, immersed in memories of this great loss, and at his feet the great snake slithered over broken china and glass. He looked down and saw something. Something incredible. No! Harry, it's all right. You're all right. He stooped down and picked up the smashed photograph. There he was. The unknown thief. The thief he was seeking. No. I dropped it. I dropped it. Harry, it's okay. Wake up. Wake up. He was Harry. Harry, not Voldemort. And the thing that was rustling was not a snake. He opened his eyes. Harry? Hermione whispered. Do you feel all, all right? Yes. He lied. He was in the tent, lying on one of the lower bunks beneath a heap of blankets. He could tell that it was almost dawn by the stillness and the quality of the cold, flat ceiling beyond the canvas. He was drenched in sweat. He could feel it on the sheets and blankets, also. He could tell that it was almost dawn by the stillness and the quality of the cold, flat light beyond the canvas ceiling. He was drenched in sweat. He could feel it on the sheets and blankets. We got away. Yes, said Hermione. I had to use a hover charm to get you into your bunk. I couldn't lift you. You've been... Well, you haven't been quite... 
There were purple shadows under her brown eyes, and he noticed a small sponge in her hand. She'd been wiping his face. You've, you've been ill, she finished. Quite ill. How long ago did we leave? Hours ago. It's nearly morning. And I've been... What, uh, unconscious? Not exactly, said Hermione uncomfortably. You've been shouting and moaning and things, she added in a tone that made Harry feel uneasy. What had he done? Screamed curses like Voldemort? Cried like the baby in the crib? I couldn't get the Horcrux off of you, Hermione said, and he knew she wanted to change the subject. It was stuck, stuck to your chest. You got a mark. I'm, I'm sorry, I had to use a severing charm to get it away. The snake bit you too, but I've cleaned the wound and put some dittany on it. He pulled the sweaty t-shirt he was wearing away from himself and looked down. There was a scarlet oval over his heart where the locket had burned him. He could see the half-healed puncture mark on his forearm. Where have you put the whole crux? It's in my bag. I think we should keep it off for a while. He lay back on his pillows and looked into her pinched gray face. We shouldn't have gone to Godric's Hollow. It's my fault. All my fault. Hermione, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. I wanted to go too. I really thought that Dumbledore might have left the sword there for you. Yeah. Well, we got that wrong, didn't we? Sorry, I lost my spot for a moment. What happened, Harry? What happened when she took you upstairs? Was the snake hiding somewhere? Did it just come out and kill her and attack you? No, he said. She was the snake. Or the snake was her all along. What? He closed his eyes. He could still smell Batilda's house on him. It made the whole thing horribly vivid. Batilda must have been dead for a while. The snake was... was inside her. You know who put it back there in Godric's Hollow to wait. You were right. He knew that I would go back. The snake was inside her? He opened his eyes again. Hermione looked revolted, nauseated. Lopin said... There would be magic that we never imagined, Harry said. She didn't want to talk in front of you because it was parcel tongue, all parcel tongue, and I didn't realize, but of course I could understand you. I could understand her. Once we were up in the room, the snake sent a message to you-know-who. I heard it happen inside my head. I felt him get excited. He said to keep me there, and then, and then... He remembered the snake coming out of Batilda's neck. Hermione did not need to know the details. She changed. Changed into the snake and attacked. He looked down at the puncture marks. It wasn't supposed to kill me. Just keep me there until you-know-who came. If he had only managed to kill the snake, it would have been worth it, all of it. Sick at heart, he sat up and threw back the covers. Harry, no, I'm sure that you need to rest. 
You're the one who needs sleep. No offense, but you look terrible. I'm fine. I'll keep watch for a while. Where's my wand? She did not answer. She merely looked at him. Where's my wand, Hermione? She was biting her lip, and tears swam in her eyes. Harry? Where's my wand? She reached down beside the bed and held it out to him. The holly and phoenix wand was nearly severed in two. One fragile strand of phoenix feather kept both pieces hanging together. The wood had splintered apart completely. Harry took it into his hands, as though it was a living thing that had suffered a terrible injury. He could not even think properly. Everything was a blur of panic and fear. Then he held out the wand to Hermione. Mend it, please. Harry, I don't think when it's broken like this. Please, Hermione, try. Reparo. The dangling half of the wand resealed itself. Harry held it up. Lumos. The wand sparked feebly and then went out. Harry pointed it at Hermione. Expelliarmus! Hermione's wand gave a little jerk, but did not leave her hand. The feeble attempt was too much for Harry's wand, which split in two again. He stared at it, aghast, unable to take in what he was seeing. The wand that had survived so much. Harry? Hermione whispered so quietly he could hardly hear her. I'm sorry. So, so sorry. I think it was me. As we were leaving, you know, the snake was coming for us, so I cast a blasting curse. It rebounded everywhere, and it must have... it must have hit. It was an accident, said Harry mechanically. He felt empty, stunned. We'll... we'll find a way to repair it. Harry, I don't think we're going to be able to, said Hermione, the tears trickling down her face. You remember, remember Ron, when he broke his wand, crashing the car? It was never the same again. He had to get a new one. Harry thought of Ollivander, kidnapped and held hostage by Voldemort, of Grigorovich, who was dead. How was he supposed to get himself a new wand? Well, he said in a falsely matter-of-fact voice, Well, I'll just borrow yours for now, then, while I keep watch. Her face glazed with tears. Hermione handed over her wand, and he left her sitting beside the bed, desiring nothing more than to get away from her. And that is the end of our chapter. Now, I don't know who was here for the very start of it, so let me hit you with this one more time, just in case you missed it. 
deputy you might want to get down here I'm not sure quite what I'm seeing but hold on hold on what's that deputy you gotta get down here just a little bit of something just a little bit of something that I figured I would share with y'all for just a moment. Uh, folks, if you liked that, <laughs> if that was intriguing to you, um, I would encourage you to come back. What in the world was that, says Miss Frizzle. Uh, folks, that is a little sneak peek of something that we're going to be doing tomorrow. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., we are playing a, uh, a session zero of Kids on Bikes. Kids on Bikes is an RPG, a tabletop RPG, uh, that is designed to tell stories in a very similar genre to things like Stranger Things or uh, E.T. or any one of those old good Spielberg movies. It's called Kids on Bikes, and a session zero is where we're going to be doing a lot of the world building for it. So we're going to be building a little town, probably fairly similar to Godric's Hollow, with its own rumors and landmarks and uh, different spots and... Ideally, we're going to be exploring that in a session, but tomorrow is the session zero, so 2 p.m., come back here. It's going to be very cool, and we're going to be, uh, you know, designing some fun, uh, <laughs> some some fantastic, um, uh, nice, spooky Halloween, October perfect stuff. So, now, now that I've given that news, let me put this back up on the screen while I talk to chat. This is, for the last time this uh, this stream, this is my schedule for the coming month. Go ahead and screenshot this if you haven't already, and if you don't know who I am or what this is. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And tonight we were reading Harry Potter, um, and uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing more fun stuff as we are through the entire month of October. This channel uh, has been a ton of fun for me, and... Uh, uh, M. Ashe says 2 p.m. I don't know what EDT stands for. Uh, I'm going to guess it's Eastern, but no, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so t whatever time Harry Potter stream starts for you, it's two hours earlier than that. Um, that's what time we'll be starting, and we're going to be going for a while. So uh, feel free to join us. But uh, yeah, the, the earlier you get in, the more... The, the, the better chance you've got of being able to have some sort of impact on our world building there. Um, I'll try to be here tomorrow, says Lisa. Fantastic. If you can get away early from the flower shop. Wonderful. Uh, Mighty Mage says, your voices are spot on. Thank you very much. I appreciate that a lot. Um, uh, Memnite going to be missing Shotzi this week, too. <laughs> uh, Shotzi, good luck to you. Uh, session zero, indeed, in Tikana. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. It's going to be run by um, a, a friend of the channel that's new to y'all. Um, Mr. Halfbit, uh, who I've done a couple of streams with, but uh, he is another uh, practiced GM like I am, uh, GM meaning Game Master, for those of you who don't know, um, but he is going to be kind of presiding, and I am going to be a character in it rather than running the thing. So if you're interested in seeing what it's like for Sidecar Sam to build a character along with uh, my friends, my, my good friends, uh, Mama Cass and um, Tuna Sunday and Miss Frizzle, come back tomorrow. Mama Cass is going to be late tomorrow. That's okay. Um, we will be putting that stuff together and then, uh, we will be, fortunately that can, you know, that can sort of wait a little bit and we can, uh, build our characters later on. So folks, it's been a good night. I'm going to, I'm going to disappear this, uh, schedule. So if you're trying to screenshot it, make it happen quick. It's also in the discord. So you don't really, really have to, uh, Louis Allen, of course, Miss Frizzle also might be slightly late tomorrow. That is perfectly all right. Um, 
tomorrow, so Intikana, we have we are planning to do it again, um, but we are working on some of the logistics for it. For tomorrow, we're just doing the session zero, and then we're going to have to plan beyond that for when the actual session is going to be. Uh, and uh, Tuna has gone ahead and used the Discord command. There's the link for the Discord. You can go ahead and use that uh, to get all of your sidecar news. So, schedule is gone because we are going to Beantown. <laughs> We're going. We have to go to the potions classroom for bad beans. Uh, let me go ahead and get rid of that just a little bit. Okay, cool, uh, folks. It's been a pretty good day. I thought that uh, other than some of our technical issues earlier on that uh, caused us to be oh, so very late. It's not. It's not terrible actually. But uh, we are behind schedule, and it's time to do some beans. Uh, the bean queen is already present. Hold on a sec. All right, and it's beans time, and we have got some extras. Uh, we've got some, I think we've got three extras just from Twitter this week. Um, we have, uh, so let's get those, let's do those first, I think. Uh, first of all, uh, and I, I did what you said, and I actually took a list down. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. I'm so organized. First of all, this bean is for Ashley North, uh, who who uh, is on Twitter and um, requested a fruit one. Now, the thing is, Ashley, we don't have a good way to determine what they are before I actually chomp into them, but Mama Cass is going to give it a shot. I can do fruit. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to mute this. Hold on. That, that beans shaking noise is jarring. And uh, for those of you who are, are brewing up uh, Intikana, Ashmore, Memnite, Shotzi, those of you who are brewing up the big cauldron of, uh, of uh, uh, beans potion, I appreciate it. I thank you a lot because it's uh, all those little things that y'all see dropping in there are bits. Um, and uh, it's one of the ways that y'all like to support the channel and I appreciate it a ton. Um, and it looks like it looks like Tuna wants to be the one to make it boil over. Here we go, folks. <laughs> Let's watch it. Hey, there we go. Boiling the potion. Ah, it's still pretty full. Did not. It is not. It, uh, <laughs> it looks like it, it needs. It could still use more heat before it's fully boiled over. Okay, so this one is for... Um, let me, I gotta prop my, my uh, phone up here. Ashley North, this one's for you. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, for anyone else who wants to add, um, oh boy, what am I gonna do? Oh, let me, I'll use the green, I'll use my leftover green screen. Um, I think there's a, I wanna say there's a, a, um, <laughs> a pillowcase of this around somewhere, but I'm not gonna bother trying to find it. So instead, I'm gonna invisibility cloak up, so I'm still here, don't worry. What if, here, what if I just go with, I don't know. What How am I is it better if you could just uh, you just bonk me on the nose and I'll I'll take the 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 mouth part off. But yeah, frankly, I've got no idea. Um, so thank you very much. This is probably a fruit flavored bean. Although, frankly, um, w knowing my palate, I, it's going to be absolutely impossible to tell. All right. Shh. Okay, it's shh. I'm hiding in the invisibility cloak. Shh, 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 shh. shh. I gotta creep around Godric's Hollow. Okay. I let's see. Hmm. Oh, there's definitely some banana in this one. Definitely some banana. It might have just been banana. I think I'm going to go with banana. Final answer. I don't taste anything else in there. I think it's just banana. Oh, it's unfortunately top banana. Oh, it's top banana? I think I get that one. I think that one's for me. I don't even, even want to... That's acceptable. 
I need hype train music. Is there is there music for hype train? Or like, is that a thing that you can turn on? Super fast. Oh, because the hype train is indeed rolling right now. What do you say? <laughs> Thank you very much, folks. I appreciate it. Uh, Tuna Sunday, Ashmore, Shotzi, and Memnight. Uh, <laughs> Memnight, I see. Okay. I was wondering, but uh, yeah, uh, Memnight, thank you very much for the the, uh, the big boiling bits drop. Um, and uh, Ashmore, thank you for handing out some subs. Uh, indeed, seems like a good time. Ashmore is responsible for our next uh, Extra Bean today on Twitter. Uh, so Ashmore, thank you very much. Uh, Ashmore93 on Twitter, thank you very much for promoting the show. Uh, and honestly, thanks for being around so much. You're, you have made quite the name for yourself recently, and so uh, I appreciate what you do. Um, and it's good to have you here. So, what does subscribing do? Um, uh, yeah, K-Hall, it means you don't have to watch any of the ads, indeed. Um, because now I have to run them more often, thanks to Twitch. Okay, you know what? I'm going to be a brave boy. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, no, I owe it to, to Ash to try and, and actually figure out what this bean is. All right, let's see it. Okay, close your eyes. Yep, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, a good, a good. I guess I shouldn't be looking at the request, but uh, yeah, folks, thank you oh, so much oh. for. You should, you should look. <laughs> what is it? Oh, oh no, it's just my my phone. Oh. Unplugging and replugging. Uh, but folks, you should know that uh, yeah, subscriptions um, are one of the things that help me do more with the channel. Um, I've got a, a whole day in my week that I'm not even streaming yet, and. Uh, um, Y'all have been helping the, the numbers to make sense more and more to do the amount of streaming I am doing right now. Um, I really appreciate all the generosity. And <laughs> uh, if you have a, um, a an Amazon Prime subscription, you already have... I Sorry, good call. I won't look. Uh, you already have a free subscription to somebody here on Twitch. Um, if you have subscribed to me before with that, the Amazon Prime one specifically has to be re-upped every month. But uh, for everyone who has done so, I appreciate it so very much. Um, I love y'all for for helping me out with that, <laughs> for all of the for all of the bits as well. Those those uh those are are uh, those head my way as well. So I really do appreciate it a ton. Uh, okay, let's try it. What's that? Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, a little bit less. <laughs> oh my god. I'll have to find it later here. Oh, K-Hall says, do you get money from it? Gotcha. Um, yes, uh, for the bits, like every every bit, I believe, is one cent uh, in my direction. And the uh, the subscriptions, yes. Uh, currently, as a uh, as an affiliate, I get a, I think it's a 50-50 split. And then if I can get up to partner, which is why y'all need to be telling me, telling telling me, tell me about this channel. Tell folks about the channel. Um uh, the more folks we get in here, the closer I can possibly get to partner, and then I get most of the money instead of half of it. <laughs> so, um, I really do appreciate all of you who have been super generous. I need a button for that, too. For what now? Alright, let me see. This one definitely had some strawberry to it, I think, but y'all know how I am with fruit flavors. For sure, it's a fruit flavor. Um, and I want to say it's just one berry. I don't taste like a bunch of extra stuff. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to go with strawberry because it tastes like it tastes like strawberry candy. Not a ton like strawberry itself, but it definitely tastes like strawberry candy. Hey, descriptor you would uh, apply to that? 
Oh, it's a specific kind of strawberry that I got to no, nail down? Oh, boy. I'm, Top strawberry. <laughs> I'm curious if you can describe the flavor that you're tasting. If I can describe the flavor of a is strawberry. It sweet? Is so it sour? It's, a, it it's, got, it's definitely sweet. It's got some of that, like, nice little fruit bite to it that, like, raspberries and strawberries have. Like, a little tartness, basically. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it's green apple. It's green apple? Or sour apple. But you Ugh. It wasn't. It wasn't nearly that. Well, I said. I said tart. Apples are tart. I know, but I specifically. You can make an apple sour, tart. Which is why I went with green <laughs> apple and not sour apple. Oh boy, I don't think. I don't think I got that one even close. Because nope. a strawberry, and no matter what kind of apple it is, it's not a strawberry apple. <laughs> oh boy, um, I need a button for Prime subs so you can remind each other to resubscribe. I can maybe figure out something like that. But uh, by the way. Choo-choo. There's a hype cherry. <laughs> there's there's a there's a flavor I'll never recognize. A sweet cherry. Okay, so we got one more from uh, from Twitter. Uh, this one is from I believe. Yep, Lisa Hall. Lisa Hall. Thank you very much. And uh, for you folks who are wondering, what is this? What is the? Yes, the the no bad beans for Lisa Hall. Um, so so I tell you what, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna play it smart this time. Lisa, you are going to be my island in the midst of a very spicy spicy day of beans. <laughs> Folks, my cauldron runneth over, and I appreciate it a ton. Uh, Intikana, <laughs> thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for, for piling on top there. You, all the ingredients make for a very sweet batch. Um, uh, what kind of potion do y'all think we're brewing here? Like, what, what, what do we all think is in this, this cauldron down here? What are we bubbling up? Um, uh, yeah, Lisa, I actually looked back and I saw that I had missed one from you last week. So that's my bad. Uh, so we are actually going to get two from you, which means I'll do one now and I'll do one later. There we go. Uh, so this one's for Lisa. Lisa, thank you very much. This one's going to be a good bean, so I don't have to worry about it. Uh, which means, let me tell y'all about why I'm doing all these beans. So first of all, I do kind of a... Uh, that was another one that startled me. I don't know why. Um, uh, we do uh, these beans as a fun tradition. Uh, anyone who shares the uh, the show um, with my handle and the hashtag HPOutloud... So sidecar stories and the ha the hashtag HP out loud, um, you can throw extra beans onto my onto my birdie bots every flavor, bonanza, experiment, Belly? a gauntlet, <laughs> crucible. Um, but uh, yeah, this is an appreciation to all you folks who have been promoting the show. I basically just look at Twitter and Instagram for that sort of thing. But I don't <laughs> time to blow this thing, says Mem Knight. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I'm not going to look at chat, but Frizz has made some reference to your, your baking prowess, which she's actually done a great oh, job. yeah, I did a bad... Early on in my baking career, <laughs> I was making muffins. I wanted chocolate chip muffins more than anything on this planet. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to bake muffins. And it was going to be totally fine, right? Except I was baking muffins at my grandma's house, and my grandma cans vegetables. A.K.A. she has a ton of canning salt everywhere. Unfortunately, she keeps her salt and her sugar in the same containers. And little naive me didn't think, oh, I should probably taste this first. So instead of making nice, <laughs> sweet muffins, 
I made a very, very salty, salty, salty batter. Like they're like survival muffins for when you're like sodium deficient. Yeah, when you need to recreate the Dead Sea. We sent them on the uh, on the most recent um, ISS mission. They didn't even make it into the <laughs> oven. <laughs> they're good for sodium deficiency. <laughs> Lisa Hall is presenting us with some sweet salt in there. The lids. The lids tell you to turn back. Apparently they have slightly different lids, but I don't recall that. I remember one being larger and one being smaller. <laughs> and Memnite. Memnite blew up the spot. Memnite, thank you once again. I appreciate that a ton. Um, oh, it was a salty muffin. It was like six cups of salt. No. <laughs> Electrolyte muffins. <laughs> Intikana th throws in electrolyte muffins. Okay, so, Lisa... That one had a lot of banana to it as well. I think it might have just been another top banana, but it tasted different, so I'm not sure. Um, there was definitely sort of that, like, it was definitely super mellow, um, kind of uh, uh, kind of on the sweet side, um, no tartness, really. So I don't think it was, like, banana strawberry smoothie, because I think there are some of those. But it's going to be something goofy like creme brulee or something. I'm going to go with banana, because it tasted very, very similar. It definitely tasted like banana flavoring. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. Dang it. What was it? Was it? Pink. It was, it was pink. Bubblegum or cotton candy? I, okay, I guess cotton candy. I guess. I guess. Whatever. Cotton candy tastes like bananas now, guys. Folks, I am so, so bad at this game. Yes. You've gotten worse. <laughs> I think I have gotten worse. Well, you I mean, like, to be fair. Really bad. You're saying cotton candy tastes like banana, man. I know. I'm telling you, those are incorrectly <laughs> labeled. I've been eating them. But this whole time <laughs> but but there's but then you get into the like the we, look we've got 30 what is it 36 50 or something how many flavors are on here on the back 50 yes of course is the 36.50 in flavors 50 cents in change um 49. look i'm just no good at this 49 flavors so we've got 49 flavors against the against what was 12 before which i'm not saying that like i'm not i'm i understand some of these i should be getting better some of these i'm going to continue to rebel some of these are nonsense and they don't make any sense at all they're definitely miscolored somehow but um it oh uh, lisa hall solved it it was indeed banana cotton candy <laughs> uh honestly i bet that wouldn't be terrible i wouldn't like it but it wouldn't be terrible um, we've confirmed Bean Queen is not colorblind, so don't even try to blame your bad guessing on that. In the very same day, we confirmed I'm not colorblind either. What are you yeah, talking you about? You don't see the color. It was the same day. Yeah, uh, you're not seeing the color of the bean. <laughs> guess, guess it's the bean. And uh, okay, Joe, I can give it a shot. It's probably going to end up sounding more biblical than Shakespearean, but uh, hey. All right, close your eyes. We're going to give you what? Thou shalt receive the fruits of mine linguistic labors. Um, bean one, we're saving the second this is, I guess, yeah, I guess this is Bean One, and I still haven't even looked at Instagram because I know we got one from Out of Yarn, um, so maybe we'll just start with that one. Let's do that. Okay. Out of that. Yarn on Instagram. Thank you very much. Uh, a constant proponent of the show. Maybe our, maybe our like, I think maybe our Bad Beans superstar in terms of the promo. So thank you very much, uh, Out of Yarn on Instagram. Appreciate it quite a bit. And if you're here, let me know. Let yourself be known. Especially so that I can blame you now for this very spicy bean I have in my mouth. And I haven't even bit into it yet. Lisa, looks like I'm going to be getting to another one of yours pretty quick here. Let's get this over with. Oh, get my, I get, let me make sure my water's all refilled here. Ay, 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 ay. Okay, it's not terrible. Uh, now, that I'm, now that I kind of know what's coming. <laughs> it's not great, though. You can hear it. <laughs> okay. 
oh man, at the same time, uh, Archer Kid, and uh, with uh, five, <laughs> with five sub gifts and Memnite with one. Thank you both very much. Oh boy. Okay. Mmm. Yummy. Uh, I'm gonna go with. There's a tiny little bit of. Well, no, because these don't taste like anything like what they're supposed to be. It's not sriracha. I feel pretty confident about that. It's not so spicy. I think it's gonna be habanero. I think it's on the lower. Oh, gotcha. Um, I think it's on the lower end. I'm gonna go with uh, um, uh, jalapeno. Mmm. Well, it's either habanero or sriracha. <laughs> Is it? Because I picked. Was it a red one? It was orange. I think okay. it's habanero, but you're very sure it's not. So. Mm. It was not shockingly hot. Like. I it sounds it. like it was because my throat's like. <laughs> I picked it because I thought it was gonna be like tangerine or orange sherbet, mm -hmm. and then I didn't realize it was gonna be spicy. I apologize. I purposely avoided the green one. Now, but. tell me this. Were you were you going for an orange sherbet to be gentle, or were you going for an orange sherbet because you know them always goofs me up? Because uh, it always goofs you up. Oh, pff, I didn't even... Oh, look, pff. it was so spicy, I got totally distracted, and I did not do it in any sort of Shakespearean <laughs> English at all. So, next one. Next... Look, if it's a spicy one, all bets are off. But next one, I'm going to give it a try. For real, probably. Um, I survived. I survived mostly. Um, good bean from, uh, out of yarn. Okay. Claim is that, that is that you, on? Book and Hook? Yeah, Book and Hook, if you are out of yarn, that's totally fine. That's great. But, out of yarn has to be here to make requests. Okay, yeah, it looks like Book and Hook, Book and Hook is claiming it. So, uh, Book and Hook, thank you very much. Um, it's actually good to be able to put it to a, a name that I know from in here. Um, so yeah, Book and Hook, thank you a ton. I appreciate it a lot. Hi. Um. Yeah, and I've actually, like, you've been around here for a while. I just didn't know you were also, uh, one of my loudest voices out in the world. So thank you a ton. I appreciate it. I wonder how many folks we've got in here who found out about it from Out of Yarn. Um, okay. I think I have mostly recovered from this one. I still got, my, my mouth is still nice and warm. It's like, uh, it's like Christmas by the fire. Um, Christmas by the fire, as long as... I was going to say something harsh about as long as uh, Cass circa, what, 2012 baked the Christmas cookies? <laughs> I didn't know. It was nothing. Hey, Mom, you're, you're sitting... <laughs> wow, you are you're you're, doing it. Your cinnamon is really red. I don't understand. <laughs> but I put a ton in there, so it's fine. Um, okay, so... Uh, out of yarn. It was a, it was an attempt at like a, I mixed up rough. cayenne and cinnamon joke, but yeah, no, that was that a was really rough. that was a trip. Okay, for real though. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna check Instagram, make sure I don't have any more of these. But uh, I think we're good on the um, on the extra beans. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Okay. okay, fantastic. Which means I'm not as uh, I'm not as much. Yeah, exactly. We're four beans. But see, that this is... We are four beans in. We haven't even gotten to our our weekly job. beans. It means y'all are doing great, so I appreciate it a ton. We don't even have to do weekly beans, and it will just be all <laughs> recommended. It'll just be all recommended. Yeah, I would say... That gets to control which bean you eat. I think, once, I think once it's like once we get two weeks in a row of more than five non-weekly beans, oh, yeah. then, we'll, then we'll deviate backwards. Because I don't want to just be eating like... <laughs> exactly <laughs> every single week because look this is painful folks i'm not gonna lie to you um 
Uh, yes, Lisa does need her bonus bean. I haven't forgotten it. I don't... You know what? I'm actually recovering from this one okay, so I'm going to save it in case I okay. get another extra spicy bean. Okay. All right, this is my Shakespearean bean. Let's see if we can sort this one out. All right. And, and the buds of mine tongue do quiver in anticipation of the most frightful... Oh, boy. That's not Shakespearean. Shakespeare never wrote. <laughs> Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, and I'm all, I'm all foggy here. What's going on? Here we go. Okay. All right. Lo, a pleasant sensation does present itself to mine lips. For neither the... The fire of the hearth, nor the blaze of the sun, reaches down to strike the buds upon my tongue. Nay, tis a pleasant sensation. Indeed, I sit here in enjoyment, momentarily, delighting in the brief respite from the Dante's flame. <laughs> that burns me from within. Tis vanilla e. <laughs> Tis vanilla e. Oh, a mild, a mild flavor of vanilla greets my lips. Indeed, behind it, somewhere, art mellow flavors. There art indeed. Flavors like the mallow of a marsh, and yet, suddenly, lo, there, upon the horizon, there be chocolate. <laughs> that chocolate pudding. I think I gotta go with chocolate pudding. It was like a really nice mellow thing, but I got spiciness in my mouth, which is probably like combining with sweet to say chocolate. I don't know. I'm gonna go chocolate something. I gotta be careful with you because you're a stickler. I'm gonna go with... She's given, she's given me nothing, folks. <laughs> she's a she's a she's a I literally went to college for this chocolate donut chocolate donut that's what I'm going with I think did I pick it out that's my final answer what a shame no oh don't tell me it's chocolate pudding <laughs> is it chocolate pudding it's either chocolate pudding well you, you or chocolate donut it was root beer at the beginning vanilla -y. I don't think it's root beer. Okay, then it's chocolate pudding. Dang it! <laughs> well, it. and lo, there upon the horizon. because you talked so much. I know, I was trying to do a good job. I feel like I, I feel like I, I did a good job, frankly. Frankly? Frankly? My dear. I believe I've done well. Low. <laughs> okay, folks, um, alright, let's get into our yeah, let's get into our next one. All right, now we're doing some rapid-fire ones. Okay, really quick. Uh -oh. On uh, I, my streaming schedule, you can find it on the Discord. Use the uh, Discord command in chat if you want that link. I stream Tuesday through Friday. Tuesday is Vintage Sidecar and some game stuff. Wednesday is Chat Plays Dungeon World. Uh, Thursday is this. And Friday, usually, is... Um, uh, game stuff. I'll remind you all, Tuesday coming up, starting next week, starting next week, we have got our uh, Harry Potter adventure. I'm super looking forward to it. Um, it is going to be... <laughs> hey, thank you very much, Mem Knight. Um, 
once again boiling up that uh, that batch. But um, our, our Harry Potter adventure in Minecraft in the amazing mod, uh, I have posted a link to a little trailer for it so you can see like what that's all about if you want to. Uh, but that's going to be Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow, on Fridays, I do a Spout Lore session. It's a little recap of our Dungeon World. And then tomorrow, specifically, we're doing uh, our Session Zero for Kids on Bikes. Let me see. Okay. Super rapid fire. I'm getting I'm getting tartness, uh, fruitness. <laughs> um, shoot. It's definitely a flavor I, I recognize. There's some Ladies like and gentlemen, it's a flavor he knows. There's some sort of sprite flavors in there. So I'm going to go with it doesn't taste like it's carbonated like the sort of bitterness they put into fake carbonation. And I don't think it's a lemon, so I'm going to go with lime. Final answer. Is it lemon lime? Drop. Lemon drop. Rats. I was close though. Okay, so we have three more regular ones and one Lisa Hall, right? Um, yes, indeed. Okay, so. All right, let's do it. Um uh, folks, if you have not been here for Vintage Sidecar, I would definitely encourage you to check out um, our back episodes of Frankenstein on YouTube. It's been going great. We do a slow read of the chapter where we sort of go through and explain things we don't know. We talk about it, and then we do a full read through at the end. Dang it, I've got another spicy bean. Ooh, this is some cold fire. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, this is a bad one. Uh-oh. Ooh, this is a very bad one. Oh, baby. Oh, you're crying. Lisa, you get to rescue this one. You get to rescue me from this one in a second here. This one has got to be one of the hot ones. It's either habanero or uh, ghost pepper. Oh, sweet baby puppies. Okay. Um, I know. Uh, it's, not one of the, it's not one of the lower tier ones, unless it's one of those, like, ridiculously... I mean, jalapenos can range all over the place. I don't think it's... What is it? Ghost pepper, Carolina Reaper? That's the branded ones. Oh man, this is this is what I'm this is what my brain is doing right now. Just like don't do it anymore. Um, I'm gonna go with habanero. Get it out of my mouth. Lisa, hmm? Are you redeeming? Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm going. I gotta I gotta grab my Lisa bean here. What do you think? Was it habanero? Uh, yeah. Oh, I got it right. Then, yeah. Yeah. It made it all worth it. Put it on the board, Frizz. Must have been sriracha. Um, I guess so, yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, not ideal, folks. My mouth is still on fire. As a matter of fact, hold on. Don't show me the bean. Ugh. I need a little bit more water to polish that one off. We have chocolate milk. We don't have regular milk. Chocolate I milk or oat milk are your choices. <laughs> Again, Miss Frizz, I don't know where you're getting that asterisk from. I got banana and I got habanero perfectly. Take it away. I don't want to see it. This is not a moment for... This for you, I will. I will fight you about this, Frizz. Thank you, Lisa Hall. Um, <laughs> I don't care what color, just save him. Wait a second. This one's got some smokiness to it. Is this a sneaky sausage bean? I pulled it from here, so it's mm. not sausage. It's just got like smokiness to it. It actually reminds me of stink bug a little bit. I wonder what I wonder what enjoyment I would be having if my mouth weren't like trying to compete with the spiciness. The left side of my tongue sucks right now, gang. Oh man, Scooter Patrol. Rescue me! <laughs> oh no! Oh! Rescue me! It tilted my head back, and all of the spicy, spicy saliva just went shooting straight back like I'm doing tequila shooters. <laughs> oh man, this sucks. Oh boy. Um, it's it's uh, smoky. Um, it Honestly, it seems like it would be. 
um, a bad bean. I think it's just a combination with the with the uh, the spiciness. Man, I need to do some unsavory stuff, like pick my teeth because it's like burning my gums right now. Um, oh boy, this sucks. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna have to go with something. Mm. I wonder if it's a combination of spicy and coffee flavors that gives me smoke. So I'm gonna go with uh, a latte. That's my final answer. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. It's cappuccino. It's cappuccino? That's all right. Hey, I was close enough. I, honestly, I'm kind of proud of myself for getting there, frankly. Me too. Once um, you put that out there, I was like, oh, dang. You yeah. Got it. Also, did I say frappuccino? You said latte. <laughs> Good. I was going to be disappointed if I, if I picked a, a fake, <laughs> a fake non coffee. Okay. All right. Next one up. How many is that? I think you have. How many of our regular beans was that? I think you have two. I have two more? Okay. Yeah, because there was three regular left, and we did one regular and one Lisa. That's right. Okay, cool. All right. Um, uh, on Wednesdays, if y'all... Uh, actually, you know what? Uh, I want to give y'all a chance to use this new command we've got in there. Go ahead and type um, exclamation point wiki. Um, use the wiki command. It's, it's a format the same way that I use the Discord command. Uh, and that will take you to the Sidecar Stories wiki. Now, it's pretty bare bones right now. The most developed part of it is... Thank you, Miss Frizzle. Exactly. And Memnite, indeed. Um, you can go ahead and figure out, like, what is the Wednesday campaign all about? We've had some fantastic adventures so far. It has gotten really serious over the past three weeks. Um, and I am really, really enjoying it. So if you want to see what it's like for me to run a campaign, you can check that out on, for, on uh, Wednesdays, starting at 12 p.m. Pacific time. I don't, please don't be a spicy one. It's not. And I'm going to detail about what individual stuff is. Um, this one, all right, let me see if I can soothe my mouth a little bit with it. No, not at all. If I put it over on the left side where it's really burning, it just disappears. It's like it's not even real. Um, it's fruity. It's a little tart. Very blueberry-y, actually. You know what? I think some of these spicy beans just get me, like, focused in. I'm going to go with blueberry. Blueberry something. I'm, I'm, I know there's, like, a blueberry donut on there, but I'm just going to go with blueberry because it tastes more powerful than that. Blueberry, final answer. Let's hear it. Dang it. Sparkling grape soda was not what I was thinking uh, as exemplified by the fact that I didn't say that and I said a different <laughs> thing, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Mirden wow. says, Wednesday is the boom. And Wednesday, yeah. you are... Wednesday. Mirden, you are actually absolutely right. Thank you very much. Miss Frizzle, thank you. I got two out of nine. And I'm... Uh, look, I'm, I'm proud of those two that I got. You're blind. All right. I'm blind. Uh, Thursdays, y'all know what it is. It's this here, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And on Fridays um, at noon Pacific time, we do a um, a breakdown of our uh, um, our our Wednesday session. I got lost in it. Uh, I'm just really hoping this one's not spicy. I don't think it is. It's not. It's not sending out the warning the warning lights. Um, but we do that, and then most Fridays we play some random game. You can find out which game exactly from that big schedule that I keep posting up. Um, uh, you can find that in the Discord on the notifications channel. And um, uh, so, yeah, uh, 12 p.m., the Spout Lore session to review our uh, Wednesday session. And at 2 p.m., some games. Now it's sending up warning signs. I'm hoping that we don't end it on a spicy one, but we might be. But this Friday, we're doing different things. Indeed, yes. Tomorrow, different things. This is definitely a spicy bean. Folks, as my mouth starts to smoke. <laughs> Let's get this thing. Okay. It's not as bad as the uh, the habanero one. 
Let's see, am I picking up? I actually kind of, I, I like Sriracha a decent bit. It's putting off the same vibe that the other Sriracha beans were doing, but I don't taste anything that tastes to me like Sriracha. The Sriracha also has some sort of garlic and such in there. It's not, it's not a light one though. You know what? I'm going to go wild because it's a very warm one. I'm going to go with cayenne. And that's my final answer for my final bean for the day. I'm pretty sure it was Sriracha. Dang it! Folks, <laughs> oh man, I he needs some milk. Folks, thank you very, very much for joining me here today. I really appreciate um, uh, Memnite, uh, all of your generosity. There's a there's a reason Memnite has that uh, little gift. Uh, current hype train conductor uh, now it seems, but uh, also Archer Kid, um, uh, Ascar Love It, <laughs> uh, Tuna Sunday as per usual. Um, uh, Intikana, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, now it's the right side of my mouth that's going absolutely nuts, Ashmore, um, uh, folks, thank you so very much, uh, Shotzi, I love all y'all, thank you for your, uh, frankly, all of your support in all the various ways that you do it, um, I want to give a quick shout out to, uh, Jade Hallett for this art, um, uh, Holly Rose for the Lo-Fi Sam art, um, oh boy, Crossy for all of my, for my, uh, like, typical banner art and my logo and stuff and to the pit crew uh mama cass uh miss frizzle and for our our, our longtime runner um tuna sunday thank you so very much for all the help that you have <laughs> given me by keeping chat straight and keeping the discord straight folks that's it for me come back tomorrow 12 p.m uh if you want 12 p.m pacific if you want to catch up on some dungeon world stuff and 2 p.m pacific if you want to jump in for dun 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 dun, dun. kids on bikes it's been my pleasure. I'll see y'all later.